Welcome to More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where a Springfield, Missouri band dives deep into a band's catalog, one album at a time. I am Matt. I play guitar. I'm Josh on bass. I'm Logan on guitar. I'm Blake, and I play the drums. And we are More of That. Hello, and welcome to Discographology, the podcast where... uh, Oh, gosh. (laughs) Hello. Excuse me. Get the phone here. Hello? Hello, Mother Leopard. I have your cub. What? You must protect her. But that will be expensive. Uh... 10,000 cola nuts. 10,000? Wrapped in brown paper. What kind of nuts? Midnight. Sir. Behind the box. Is this James? I'll be the hyena. You'll see. Uh, Jay- oh, I'm sorry for the interruption, folks. We've got this crazy fan named James Osterberg Jr., and he keeps blowing up the more of that landline at the more of that cave, and we just can't seem to get rid of him. <laughs> he's He's got a lust for life, I'll, t- I'll tell you that. Oh, great way to start 2021. Oh, yeah. Congratulations, guys. We made it. Oh, guys. So, uh, Happy New Year. Uh, we are here to, today to talk about At the Drive-In's Via EP and Relationship of Command. So, I thought maybe we'd start out, as usual, talking about familiarity. How did you listen to this, uh, both the EP and the full length? And what were your relation to both of them before we started? By the way, you're really close. I could have said, what was your relationship of command <laughs> to this oh, item? Uh, <laughs> so the Via EP, I, I've never listened to all the way through, although there are a couple tracks that are on the best of that I, I was aware of ahead of time. I listened to it this time. It's actually on Spotify. You can find it on Spotify. So I actually listened to it that way. Then... Um, the album Relationship of Command, I had bought on CD several years ago, not sure exactly when, uh, might have actually bought it from a mutual friend of ours, uh, Mr. Aaron Scott. Um, that's a man, he's just it, doling them out. It's very oh, yeah. possible because there was one time I caught him going into vintage stock with a bunch of CDs and I ended up just buying them off of him before he took them in there because I would give him more than they were going to give him. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I got, I got, I think it was it maybe in that batch, possibly. Um, so I was pretty familiar with it. And then this time, though, I listened to it on Spotify as as well. Was Aaron Scott on the At the Drive In Street team? Is that possible? <laughs> you know, he might have, he might have been. It's, it seems like something he would do. Yeah, uh, Matt, what was your relationship to? Uh, what was your relationship of command to relationship of command? <laughs> it's the one that I was. I guess the most familiar with uh, ha- had never heard via EP all the way through or at all. Uh, so uh, listened to it, of course, and then kind of filled in the uh, parts of relationship of command that I I wasn't as aware of. Um, I'd heard it, several of the songs, but but not the whole record. And uh, I listened um, pretty much uh, driving around in my car and um, a few times, you know, here at the house in headphones. I had uh literally never heard via at all uh relationship of command as uh as i'd mentioned i think in our first at the drive-in one was the only one that i was familiar with um and i i got the cd of that shortly after i got into uh, mars volta's debut so as kind of Mm. the backstory to these musicians but since uh 
we started doing this, I had literally not taken out and listened to uh, Relationship of Command in at least 15 solid years. So I, in that time, I had kind of forgotten what its whole deal was. But um, the songs definitely came flooding back, and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember every every note of this, and it, <laughs> it, it, it bangs. I tell you what. Um, I'll tell you what. I, Spoilers. <laughs> So I, uh, well, yeah, you know, <laughs> spoiler alert, it does bang. Um, <laughs> via, I listened to uh, streaming Apple Music. It, so it's an it's one of their EPs. It actually was on Apple Music this time. Um, and uh, Logan uploaded some high quality uh, uh, MP3s on uh, that I also listened to. Relationship of Command, um, mostly I dug out my uh, CD. I still had it somehow in an enormous CD wallet. Uh, dug that out, played a bunch in my car, played it today through studio monitors, and it was it was wild listening back to that uh, good old sixteen uh, bit forty four dot one resolution uh, <laughs> CD uh, blaring <laughs> through the old studio monitors. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I I listened a lot. I I really enjoyed getting back into it. But before we uh, Logan, you you tell us your uh, relationship because I feel like you're gonna have a lot to say. On, on this, uh, Matt, I had a question for you. Did I ever play this at Subway when we worked together at Subway and we'd play music? Do you remember if this was one we would play? Yeah, I don't remember specifically you playing this one, um, but it's very possible. It's very possible. That, and I, I, and feel I may like just... it, it would have been a late night one because <laughs> I don't think we'd be put this on during like lunch and dinner yeah. rush. I think we would have got yelled at by the boss about it because it's just too much for people. But I, I wonder if this was a late night one and maybe that's how you heard it a few times. I wonder before. The subway after dark. Subway after dark when there were less people. Why was the subway in. open so late? It was open till 10. But uh, yeah. anyway. Yeah, we closed at 10. Uh, yeah. Just a quick question. Mm-hmm. But, okay. Uh, Logan, what, what was your uh, relationship with this album? Albums. So I've mostly talked about my introductions to Via and Relationship of Command in the last couple of episodes. When I first heard Via, it was my 17th birthday, and I remember being kind of distracted. My friend Aaron had brought it over that we've been talking about. I would not hear this again until after I lost my mind hearing Relationship of Command. I was still at the beginning stages of uh, starting my own band, Fatherton, and I remember being on a marching band trip to Florida to play in, the, I think, like the Rose Bowl or something. And I don't know, we were at the Virgin Mega Store. It was just this huge music store. And I convinced uh, two of my uh, bandmates, uh, Nathaniel Carroll being one of them, uh, that we played music by, uh, to go ahead and buy a Relationship Command that it was going to, you know, totally blow their minds. Um, you know, at the drive-in wasn't the type of thing that you heard in Camdenton, Missouri, but its presence on MTV2 really launched my friends and myself and, and bandmates into new musical territory. You know, coming from a small tourist lake town, we heard a lot of new metal, hip-hop, and pop being played on the radio and MTV. And it was a new bar to aspire to. And I coincidentally blind bought the same day as I, you know, we were buying CDs, The Murder City Devils. I just saw it and I was like, this looks cool. Um, but I didn't know anything about that they actually had a connection with at the drive-in until now. They toured and released a split with the Murder City Devils, and Cedric would cite them as being their brother band. And I included one of their songs on uh, Songs from the Lab Volume 1, I believe, My mm. Demon Brother. Um, but I listen to both uh, on YouTube Music with earbuds. Uh, I also do own a white vinyl reissue of Via. 
Um, that was sealed, but I, I opened it up for the episode. Broke the seal. Broke the seal. I'm also fortunate enough to have an OG and reissue vinyl copy of Relationship of Command. Uh, my buddy Aaron, <laughs> that was a gift from him, the OG copy. So <laughs> he got me into him in the first place. So the big Johnny, thanks to him. Johnny Appleseed of our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Just saving saving lives. Uh, but I listened to the o, you know the OG one, and it sounds great. I have thoughts and questions about the reissue that we can save for later pertaining uh, pertaining to a certain mix myth mm. uh, about there being different mixes, but mix I did myth. open that uh, sealed reissue and listened. Um, nice. But uh, A difficult choice. Yeah, it was. But so it was fun listening to it all on vinyl, but also in, you know, earbuds driving around, soaking it in. So... All right. Well, if you guys don't mind, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, we can go ahead and uh, begin starting to talk about Via. Uh, so we can go ahead and let that roll. Before we get started, I'd like to give a shout out to all the following sources that I used YouTubers Chief Mojo Bear, Flambonius, Christy McFadden, Fannin Shroom, Maine Compton, Ezekiel the Mute, and Le Beastmaster. Podcast The Trap Set with Joe Wong. Dave Monk in Fractured Magazine, Eduardo Cepeda on Vice is Noisy, Mike DeRonco on AllMusic.com, Ian Gormley on Exclaim.ca, Discogs, Bill Lowry and Let's Get Real, and TheGreatRockBible.com. Thank you so much. All right, kids, prepare your sleep apparatus. It's Via time. In 1999, At The Drive-In's relentless touring and energy finally start to pay off. Without missing a beat or a frantic step, they keep the momentum. Fearless Records released the Via EP on July 27, 1999. The band returns to Rosewood Studios in El Paso for recording and mixing, but also record at Doug Messenger's, Paramount, and Village Productions. Mastered at Masterworks in Los Angeles. Mike Major returns once again to Engineer, accompanied by producers Alex Newport and Sean Cummings. The EP's cover art by Joe D. Foster vibrantly displays a Kanyan 100CF boombox, which belonged to the band. It became a reoccurring prop on stage in photo shoots and flyers. It also makes an appearance in the band's first music video, directed by Dan Tierney and the band for Metronome Arthritis, which we'll discuss. The boombox also appears on the Murder City Devils split in 2005's compilation, This Station is Non-Operational. Definitely got around. I wonder if it ended up destroyed, stolen, or up for ransom. Exercise the fire from the sky Come and make up steps again It exercise the fire from the sky
We also get another release with the group intact. No lineup changes. The EP, like El Gran Orgo, only has seven tracks. 1. Resquache. 2. Proxima Centauri. 3. Ursa Minor. 4. Heliotrope. 5. Metronome Arthritis. 6. 300 megahertz and 7 198d allmusic.com gave it 4 stars and called the ep absolutely astounding going on to proclaim they seem to have finally come together and found the true and beautiful essence of their music Tony has said that they were under quite a bit of pressure to get Via recorded. I think Resquache, 198D, and Metronome Arthritis took about a day and a half or so to record. They'd been rushed on in Casino Out, not getting to add a lot of the backup vocals or distorted guitar parts. But Via overall was recorded in three days. In 1999, Cedric tells Fractured Magazine that the song Resquache, translating to tackiness or gaudiness, is about a lawyer from El Paso that was said to be the Samoan referenced in Hunter S. Thompson's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. It should also be noted that the song 198D refers to a grave marking for Tony's grandmother, who was buried in a mass grave in Lebanon. Heavy stuff. After Via's release, At The Drive-In set out on tour opening for Rage Against the Machine, The Get-Up Kids, and The Murder City Devils. They were being courted by several major labels and were quickly becoming a hot commodity, just like Cedric and Omar's afros. I had trouble tracking down actual reviews for Via. There are a slew of retroactive ones out there. A majority of them go on to praise the EP's punk rock roots and a band that continues to improve. Almost all of them go on to say, this is where they have almost perfected their sound, but not quite yet. What do you guys think? So the first thing I noticed on the Via EP is they sound way more confident than I feel like they they have in the past. And I I think we said that with the previous uh, EP as well, that you could tell in between, I think it was El Gran Orgo. That was the last EP, right? El Gran Orgo before this one. yes yeah like how it sounded like a, a step up from acrobatic uh tenement and then you had Elgrin. each one seems like a progression further in more and more confidence more and more consistency and this one definitely is like that i i love that um the congas i think it's congas the drums they're not bongos right it's congas that are on oh. some of these tracks or maybe it's bongos i, I don't know i just percussion. i was calling them bongos what, whatever it is i love it because it, it's it's adding more of a sort of experimental like uh international flair i don't know if that's the right word or just a yeah. world music kind of vibe which i think world music sometimes gets tossed off for anything that's non-western <laughs> but uh, peter gabriel right but it, it gives it that that kind of latin feel and i think that's yeah. really omar is cool. really into the salsa salsa yeah. music and i think it, it works mm. it really works when they mix that in yes. the way they do they sprinkle it in um yeah, uh, as far as my favorite tracks on this, I was already familiar with metron- metronome arthritis, and I thought it was 198D. You said 198D, um, which probably is, is correct because it's a grave marker, as, as you said. Uh, I was aware of both of those because they're on the best of, and, and 
still think 198D is is probably my favorite on on the CP for sure. Uh, if I had mm. to choose one, um, I just, I love the mood of it. It's a very good winter song, by the way. There's some winter imagery yeah. in the lyrics, but also musically, it's it's a very uh, wintry vibe, which is nice for right now, um, where it is snowing as we are recording. But those are my thoughts. Uh, Matt, what do you think about Via? I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I, I I share your observation that it's, it's, it's a more confident work, um, I think that they they get into some more interesting um, uh, recording techniques. I uh, the, the guitars sound more va- you know kind of varied and differentiated throughout. There's a lot more rolled off tone knob and and it's there's just a lot more interesting things going on. I agree with you on on the the congas or the or or the bongos, which, whichever ones they are. That that uh, the word I was thinking of was was fusion. Um, you know th- yeah that. Um, that they're kind of uh, living in with with both the the world music elements, but also you know the really syncopated um, you know kind of post punk uh, uh, guitar parts. Uh, my standout from from this record was uh, I really like 300 megahertz. Um, they uh, they they do the da 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 that kind of rhythmic uh, thing in a lot of their songs but but it really stood out to me there and they they've got kind of a uh, a, a ping-ponging um you know really really neat stereo guitar effect that that I I enjoyed. Yeah, I I agree about uh 300 megahertz. So the this EP was was very interesting because it's it's this you see it it's this brightly I think bright orange thing with this boom box on it. It's called Via, you know, Go. And it's like, all right, is this going to be at the drive-ins uh, most bombastic pop punk flavored uh, uh, banger yet? But this EP is kind of dark <laughs> when you really get into it, especially past the first uh, few tracks. Um, and it just gets darker as it goes until it is pitch black. And uh, I don't mean that in any bad way. It, it really sets a mood. Um, and that mood is is grim by the end. And it's like, whoa, this is this is the the via ep now you say um but uh i really like that once again they've upgraded their recording and production um and i i think this is this is kind of almost the peak of uh, everything sounds really crisp and is it punching through i would actually love to hear um uh them do a go of the uh do a session where they did the relationship of command songs, like with this setup. Like I'd love to hear how that, that sounded production wise. Hmm. Um, cause I'm, I'm sure we'll get to all the mix issues, um, uh, involved in relationship of command. But, uh, I, I didn't really hear that so much on this one. I, I really liked the mix and production overall. Um, de- they're definitely a band that likes to talk about the stars and, <laughs> Uh, is Proxima Centauri, is this the sequel to Alpha? Um, that's what that song was called, right? Alpha Centauri? Alpha Centauri, mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. So, Ursa Minor. Ast- yeah. Ursa Minor, so. yep. So Constellations, Astronauts, Astronomical Themes, these are all, all back. Radio uh, Waves. They use them well. Yeah. Um, is that what 300 megahertz is in reference to? Well, yeah, that's a, a radio frequency. Uh, okay, yeah. I just um, I just had this vision of Jim Ward like 
wearing a uh, astronaut helmet on stage. <laughs> He's like, I'm not he, taking it off. They're like, you gotta take he, it, take it off, man. He's like, no, this is who I am now. It's got it a, just yeah. fogs it's, up. It's I'm an just, astronaut. Can't even see. <laughs> it's got a uh, lavalier mic built into it. Like this would this would be cool. This is me um, now, man. I'm a spaceman. You mentioned Alpha Centauri. I, I thought that I'd seen that Proxima Centauri was actually on a uh, maybe a Japanese release of In Casino Out. Huh. Uh, possibly. Yeah. That the Japan- right. uh, Japanese releases have seem to always have these extra tracks. Um, yeah. But yeah. No, I I love Via. Um, I think this, the standout tracks for me are Risquache, Proxima Centauri, uh, Metronome Arthritis, and 198D. I love, I think probably my favorite of them, if I had to pick a banger, is probably Proxima Centauri. I just love that T minus 10 seconds and counting, mm-hmm. 10 seconds to go. I just love that whole feel. And Metronome Arthritis, I think, gets that really dark vibe going, but I, it's also got that like mid 90s, like hip hop keyboard, you know, sound oh, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, coming in that I, I think that's a. Uh, that's kind of a new addition that we haven't really heard uh, with at the drive-in. Um, I like that they're kind of starting to experiment a little bit more with keyboards, and I, I think yeah. that's probably Jim. Mm. Um, but I think that this was a again, you know, mirroring all your sentiments. It is a progression. It's obviously uh, a step up, and it seems more focused. So yeah. Well, we can go ahead and it, does anybody have anything else to they'd like to say about Via or any other points? I thought, well, I, I didn't. I failed to mention my the height of it for me is uh, three songs in a row: Heliotrope, uh, Metronome, Arthritis, and Three Hundred Megahertz. I thought were the three standouts. Cool, cool. I think we can we can safely say that it can Via con Dios. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was wondering when someone was going to say that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, folks. Did Lazarus throw the party or did Lazarus throw the fight? It's time to talk relationship of command. Hello, my name is Kirk. Hi, I'm Tony. I'm Paul. Yes, I'm Iron Jim. We're from a call at the drive. At the drive in, we're being courted by some major labels in late 1999. While they love Fearless Records, Bob and Michelle had always intended for the band to move on to another label, acting as shepherds growing and nurturing the band in hopes of steering them towards success. At the Drive-In decides to be the first group to sign with the new online label DEN, Digital Entertainment Network. The label was run by Gary Gersh, who signed Nirvana and Hole to Geffen, and John Silva, who managed Beck and the Beastie Boys. The label promised short-term contracts and a 50-50 revenue split with artists. At the Drive-In was excited for DEN to let the band focus on art and process rather than radio-friendly unit shifters. We try to keep an open mind to stuff, but at the same time, if we feel uncomfortable with anything, we just say no. And we signed with um, a ton of creative control. We own half of everything, Um, half the masters, we get half the royalties, we have a 50-50 split with them. So it's a partnership and it's a relationship where we're learning how to do things. Being from El Paso is I mean, it's everything that we are, really. I mean, not just being from El Paso, but just our backgrounds and what led all of us to El Paso. Like, I was born in El Paso, but almost from Bayamo, Puerto Rico. And, you know, Paul and Cedric are from California. Tony's born in Lebanon. So we're kind of all over the world. And uh, I think all of that leads to, to the music that we make. 
In 2000, DEN goes belly up from the dot-com bubble. Luckily, it gets absorbed by Gersh and Silva's other label, Grand Royal, that was co-owned with Mike D of Beastie Boys. Mike D was also an early supporter of the band. Virgin Records, who purportedly wanted out the drive-in, were able to strike up a distribution deal with Grand Royal. After finishing up tours with the Get Up Kids and Rage Against the Machine, At The Drive-In hits the rehearsal studio to gear up for recording their third full-length album, Relationship of Command. Producer Ross Robinson, known for his often aggressive and unique production methods, especially with Korn, Limp Bizkit, and Deftones, was looking to break away from the new metal, godfather-like figure that he had become. Working with more post-hardcore groups like Glassjaw, Robinson practically begs At The Drive-In to let him produce promising that he can get every last drop of their live energy captured on tape. The label also suggests Robinson to the band. Aware of his new metal dabblings, the band is hesitant. Cedric has mentioned that Robinson was a little intense at first, claiming how much he loved the band and that if they make a record with him, they can expect to not half-ass anything. After some coaxing and a tour of Indigo Ranch Studios in Malibu, the band agrees to work with Ross. In January of 2000, the band pretty much moves into the studio for seven weeks. So now the band has a new label with money, creative control, and plenty of time to record. The band starts the process with Ross. At first, Cedric feels a little uncomfortable with Ross's techniques, causing him to feel somewhat naked and embarrassed. Ross would huddle everyone up and ask, All right, what's this song about? What are you getting at? How does this make you feel? What were you picturing when you wrote this? Searching for what made the bandmates tick, really digging to uncover the essence and truth of the band. When that wouldn't work, he'd start throwing things at the band while they tracked. Breakable things. Once to get bassist Paul Hinojos pumped up enough to record, Ross took Paul on a very speedy and somewhat dangerous joyride through the hills and back roads of Malibu. With Ross, he taught us how to channel everything and we learned how to communicate. Our skills went up, you know, 100%. He's very spiritual. If he, he knows exactly when you're not pushing yourself to the last level. I would later hear stories from friends about how Robinson would have the band taking shots of pure ginseng, but I haven't been able to confirm that rumor. But I kind of believe it. Cedric has gone on to praise Ross and his methods, claiming the experience to be so liberating. I think they really enjoyed their time with Ross overall. Things would soon take an interesting turn when Iggy Pop contacts Ross. Apparently, Iggy is blown away by his work on Limp Biscuit's Nookie and excited at a potential prospect of working together. While some of the nuances of the story are somewhat muddled, Ross basically invites Iggy to the studio, saying that he's working with a band that reminded him of Iggy, and maybe he'd like to have a cameo, much to the shock of the band. They sent him some tracks that didn't have vocals yet, so he was a little unsure on how to proceed but he really liked what he heard, and he was relieved to hear that Cedric had the lyrics in part mapped out for him, because he wasn't interested as much in contributing lyrics, just performance. He would go on to cameo on the song Rolodex Propaganda in the eerie phone call from the beginning of Infilade. Who's coming right now? What? Who's coming? Um, Iggy Pop. Am I, am I in a talk or a sing? Or? Yeah, there was something you did like on the um, under the YouTube music charger. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Awesome. Okay, cool. Manuscript replica. Yeah, you cut it. You got 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 it. You got
Iggy, Iggy Pop, uh, he was going to work with Ross Robinson, who we were recording with, and so they had been chit-chatting on the phone, playing phone tag, and um, we were there in the studio when Ross was talking to him, and Ross told Iggy that he was working with a band who was basically a byproduct of what he had created in you know, the, the 70s and stuff like that, and when he was saying stuff like that, we were in the same the room, yeah, and we were like, why are you telling him that, you know, and... Because he basically said, they're a lot like you were, man. And it's like, no, no we're not. <laughs> I mean, you can learn certain things from listening to people, you know. But uh, anyways, he, he told him all that jazz. And then um, he suggested to Iggy that he come down, check out the studio, and lay, lay down some vocals on a song. And he was like, okay, just send me the song. So we sent it to him. He liked it. He didn't really want to work on anything of his own, which is, that's fine, you know. So I just <clears throat> wrote out all the parts, and he, we kind of like uh, matched vocals, and then um, he would do the chorus kind of by himself, and it worked out really well. We clicked really well. He um, speaks Spanish fluently. Omar and him really clicked really well. And he just told us a bunch of stories about his good old days, and it was really interesting to listen to that, you know. And it's interesting to see what he is like now as a person, because I think people think. That he came in with his shirt off, cutting himself with glass, and you know, throwing mics around, and he was a much more mature person. And it seemed like he's honed his craft a lot more, and he learned how to uh, express himself different ways other than what he's what people expect him to be like. So, the album is mixed by Andy Wallace, known for mixing Nirvana's Nevermind, Rage Against the Machine's self-titled and Evil Empire albums, Foo Fighters' Nothing Left to Lose, and many, many more. This is definitely the most produced sound that the band has had to date. Omar has gone on record to respectively criticize Andy's mix, saying that the outboard mixes were much more raw and heartfelt. He said that they would remix the album for 2014's reissue of the record, but I've been able to find no evidence of it actually being a different mix. Would you define um, as your genre of, of the music that you write and play? Because I once heard someone say that you guys are the Stanley Kubrick of punk rock. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so, really cool. <laughs> that's, that's what we're going to call ourselves from now on. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty... So, how does that sit with you? Or, or yeah, I think we, we always have discussions awesome. about being cinematic. About being, not theatrical, but cinematic. Like, the big, wide, open shot of the, of the ocean, you know? Like, when we write a song, maybe that's what we're picturing. Maybe that's what we see, so... We tried to do a little bit of that on, on this video, and we're going to do a whole lot more of that... Um, a lot more. We talk about, you know, Stanley Cooper or Fellini when we talk about making videos. And so, I mean, that's a totally nice compliment. But the fact that people have to struggle to figure out where to pin us is, is a compliment in itself. Absolutely. Uh, we don't... I think we've always considered ourselves just a rock and roll band, if anything, because it's pretty vague and... Sort of know. the easiest one to get away with. Right. Right. Without pigeonholing yourself. I had this one thing happen to me that was pretty cool when we were at a... Minneapolis, I was, it was like 3 in the morning and I was walking to this cafe and uh, these guys, they, they drive by and I was kind of scared, they roll down the window and they're all, or they stop, they roll down the window and they go, your new album sucks motherfucker, <laughs> and they drove off and I was like, right on man, <laughs> yeah, that's the best compliment <laughs> yeah, totally it's pretty nice when you can walk down the street and someone not only knows you, but knows you enough and feels comfortable enough to come up and say that you suck <laughs> yeah, they feel moved enough <laughs> The artwork and illustrations by Damon Locks depict a Trojan horse, which if you aren't up on your Greek mythology, I'd recommend checking into the stories about the Trojan War. Greek mythology shows up more in the future with the formation of the band Sparta and the Mars Volta album Nocturnicate. 
three singles were released for Relationship of Command. One Arm Scissor, which received heavy play on MTV2 and was a minor hit, Invalid Litter Department, and Rolodex Propaganda. Relationship of Command was released on September 12, 2000 to glowing reviews. Allmusic.com calls it a masterpiece. Uncut gives it 5 stars. NME, 9 out of 10. Rolling Stone, 3 stars. Makes it onto the Billboard Top 200, and Metacritic currently sits at 77%. It would go on to make the following list. Krang's 50 Greatest Albums of the 21st Century, number 47. Spin's 200 Greatest Albums of the Last 30 Years, number 177. And Guitar World's 100 Greatest Guitar Albums, number 94. The band would go on to perform One Arm Scissor on USA's Farm Club, Late Show with David Letterman, who told them not to quit their day job, and it made me wonder if they had flashbacks to Bill Lowry, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, and The Jules Holland Show, where Omar completely knocks his guitar out of tune. The boys then hit the road the summer of 2000, playing Reading Festival and finishing up the year touring with their brother band, The Murder City Devils. In November of 2000, the old tour wagon hits a patch of ice, rolling the van. Cedric and Paul had some minor injuries, but everyone else seemed to be okay. I think this event really shook them up, as it tends to do. They were now left with the choice of canceling the rest of the tour or pressing on. They opted for the latter, but are you surprised? Nothing was going to stop at the drive-in. Well, we totaled the van. We flipped our we flipped van. Flipped the van. I was in the other truck, so I missed the whole thing. We did 360 on the, on the freeway, <laughs> hit the side, and flipped over. None of us were hurt. None of us had broken bones or anything. That's uh, amazing that you yeah. guys walked away from that. Totally. I mean, we should have canceled for the last U.S. states. We should have canceled the last week because we flipped our van. And, um, I mean, we shouldn't have really continued, but there's an itch that we have to do this. You know, it's, at least for me, it's probably one of the only things I do, I think, halfway decent in life. So why not do it? I mean, for me, it was like kind of like a wake-up call because we do it so much. And I kind of wanted to go home and take a break, you know, which might be, some people might take that as like, oh, you know, what a wuss, you know, but I mean, it had been seven weeks just about at that point, but the way we work in a band is it's a democracy and these guys had a really good point and the point being that we came out of there basically with little or no injuries and it was like, you might as well just keep doing it. There's only a couple more days and... Plus there's a lot of, there was a lot of grief like through that. I was in a different car, so I didn't, I wasn't in the crash and... I was 90 miles away from my boys and they were hurt, you know, and they were shaken up and I was shaken up and the fact that we weren't all in the same room was really super frustrating because we were trying to call and bad phone lines and ice storms and so like when we did decide to do the rest of the tour I just need like I felt like I had to get something off my chest and you know I just felt so shaken up that the only thing that made me feel normal was going back and playing shows with our friends and and seeing our, our friends in those cities and it turned out for the best, but... Uh, it's amazing that you yeah. guys walked away from that. Totally. It's been a pretty crazy tour. I got my head put through a window. Yeah. You got a cigarette put out on your face. I got a cigarette put out on my face. <laughs> <laughs> it was a punkest tour. <laughs> In January of 2001, the band travels to Australia for the Big Day Out Festival. This performance would go down in history for the band. Being sandwiched between Mudvayne and Limp Biscuit, plus having a buzzworthy album produced by the biggest name in new metal... Fans and the uninitiated alike were frothing at the mouth to see at the drive-in. 
probably going to keep to see because you were on early and get to go and party yeah, the rest of the day. We're going to go and watch uh, at the drive-in, I think you'll find. Me and Andy both said, just blew we've got to go and see at the drive-in. Everyone was talking about them. Yeah. And we went, let's go see them. We went and saw them and it was just like so hot and so packed. It was the best. They were the best fan of the day. At the drive-in. At the drive-in is what we found, yeah. basically. Unbelievable band to go and see. I want to go see at the driving. At the driving. At the driving. Yeah. We're actually drinking uh, one arm scissors yeah. at the moment. You've got a lot to live up to because everyone's like, oh my god, at the driving, they're coming to beat Oh my Before god, they're the, the best band in the world. Oh Jesus, you've got to see it. We just had uh, like guys from Night Chris and friends of Rom here on the seat going, they were the best band ever, 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 ever. Oh. Do you like, before you step on stage, you're like, oh shit, we've got to do it again. No, we just play. I mean, we don't believe that. We just, you know. Keep our heads small is a better thing to do, you know? Rona, do, do you dig the festival or do you, do you dig, dig the club action? I think the clubs are better, but the festivals give you a chance to see all the other stuff. You know? Any surprises on your set? You got anything worked out? Or are you just going to go out there and rock like pigs? Just play. It's too yeah. hot to get surpri- you know, make any surprises. <laughs> We're just gonna, if we get through the whole set, it'll be like a wonder, so it'll be good. <laughs> Man, uh, if we learn our own songs well enough, we might move on to other stuff. But... <laughs> do you really? You, you don't think you play your stuff well enough live? No. <laughs> really? Wow. Well, it's, not, it's, not our, it's not our main focus in life is to be the best, you know, tightest. Like, go see NSYNC if you want to see perfect, you know? Like, if you want to see rock and roll, come see, come see a rock and roll band. It's not about perfection. It's about heart and soul. They were becoming known for not condoning moshing or, as they put it, slam dancing. They were not a band that considered themselves angry or macho in any kind of way. They didn't like the idea of people taking out their aggressions on one another in the crowd or meathead mentalities, as they put it. The band was now playing huge festivals, and kids were showing up in Slipknot and Machine Head shirts and seeing the band for the first time. While Cedric and a few other bandmates seemed to look down on the genre, I think they found it to be cool when fans of new metal would come to their shows and express how much they liked them. Yet it was the more violent and rowdy new metalers that they were largely concerned with. The crowd at Big Day Out was unruly, to say the least. People were being injured and trampled. Just be nice to each other and uh, let's dance rather than beat the shit out of each other. And uh, we do come from Texas and we are called out to drive in. Jim seemed to usually try and talk sense into these situations, trying to make a heartfelt case to the crowd. Cedric, particularly wired that day, took a similar approach, but quickly abandoned when no one was listening, and he started mocking the crowd, calling them sheep, and asking if they were all typically white people. I think it's a very, very sad day when the only way you can express yourself is through slam dancing. Are you all typically white people? After very intense performances of Arc Arsenal, Pattern Against User, and Cosmonaut, At The Drive-In abandoned the stage after only three songs. 
Cedric has gone on to say more recently that during this tour, he played some of the shittiest shows of his life due to his drug use, claiming not to remember over half the performances. Cedric and Omar start finding themselves wanting to branch out of the punk, hardcore emo label that they were known for. They were also increasingly becoming burnout on touring and wanting to take some time off, which the rest of the band wasn't really on board with. pretty hard, I think. I don't, I don't, we do get burned out. I think everybody does. I mean, the, the thing about being in a band or whatever is you can't call in sick for work. I mean, if, you, if you're too sick to play, that's, that's a huge deal. Creative differences were becoming unavoidable. Jim, Paul, and Tony seem more in favor of continuing in an alternative rock direction, while Cedric and Omar were wanting to go into more of a dub, prog, electronic, and experimental direction. Omar has gone on to say that it would usually be he and Cedric up against Jim and his quote-unquote sugar-coated way of doing things. Under extreme pressure and mounting disagreements, the band decided to break up in 2001, two months after Big Day Out. Their label decides to call it a hiatus in hopes of keeping the door open. Omar and Cedric continue on with De Facto, which is eventually rechristened the Mars Volta. Jim, Paul, and Tony start a new group called Sparta. At the time of the split, it was confusing and sad. To the typical fan, this seemed like they were ending when they were at the height of their popularity. The general public didn't know how long the band had been touring and living on the road. It seemed like they had only just arrived. I remember being particularly heartbroken. They had quickly become a new favorite band of mine. The sudden breakup left fans wanting more. Some would say they sold out with Relationship of Command, but I feel this album was far too influential to be considered a sellout record. Selling out is so weird because we, we were never the band that stood behind the slogan or the banner of being anti-major label or anything like that either. And I think it's about time that people involved in our musical scene start fighting back some of the dumber rock that's out there. And the sooner that we do that, the more choices people are going to have on television. Kids in middle America, they don't know anything other than what's on TV right now because they're taught that to be, you know, that is their record buying is a remote control. The kids in the Midwest Cedric spoke of may as well have been me. The success of this record is one of the things that broke me away from new metal, bridging the gap, so to speak. This would be the time that I started listening to bands from smaller labels like Refused, Glassjaw, Thursday, and even Iggy Pop. I can only imagine this being the truth for so many out there like myself. This was one of the most important records of my life. You know, and when I grew up, my hometown dictated what I had to do to find my my, uh, my entertainment and that means you have to dig whereas like you know it's like punk rock people they know what it's like to actually get their hands dirty in order to find really good music and every other day mainstream people that just listen to the radio it's just kind of force fed to them and they go okay yes that's good it, I think it's time that bands like us get together and start doing that and that we don't let all the uh, political rules involved in punk rock um, hold us back because then pretty soon all this all the dumber rock that's all around right now is just going to reign supreme and uh, we will ne have never had a say and we're just going to kind of go unnoticed which is I guess the point to being underground but 
it, it's that's it's pointless to me, you know. I think it's preaching it's a, to the converted. Yeah, if you preach to the converted all your life, what change are you doing? And punk rock's always been a revolutionary format. And I think if you just kind of let your freak flag fly, you know what I mean? Just standing up and saying, this is who we are, you know? And we're not going to put up with what's going on right now anymore because it's a lot of stuff that's on the radio and on TV. It's very homophobic. It's very gender biased, you know? Completely sexist. Yeah, and, and it's pretty, it's disgusting. And it's disgusting that people eat it up. And it's like, it's just okay. You know, I mean, I don't want to sit here and list band names, but you guys know who you are. And I think your time has come. You know, we're not trying to take over. We just want to let everyone know that there is a different way of doing what we do. And, you know, there's a lot of bands that have ethics and certain aesthetic as to what we do. And if people can just open their mind and give it give it a listen, they'll um, they'll throw away the other stuff that really has no meaning, has no, it just has no substance, no essence, you know. And this, we're not trying to say that we are the best thing since sliced bread or anything, we're just trying to provide a new choice for everybody because there isn't a choice. All right, we've teased this amputation long enough. We've got access now. Let's talk about the album. Track one, Arc Arsenal. <laughs> okay, let's do this, guys. Guys, b- bad news. I I punched a hole through my laptop. By the way, so uh, <laughs> sorry. I just spin kicked my mom. <laughs> this is my honest to god favorite opening track of all time. Uh, this song gets my blood pumping, no doubt. It's just incredible. When I first heard this. I don't know. Like, I just knew right then that I was in for something completely wild that I'd never heard before. It's just a full-on assault of the senses. Uh, Cedric, he just sounds phenomenal. Tony, oh my God, the the opening drums. Like, th- that song has been an yeah. inspiration to me in, in some of my own stuff. And, like, he just kills the drums on that. And the bass, oh my God, where did Paul Hinojos come from all of a sudden? Like, his bass sounds fucking amazing. And have you ever tasted skin? I mean, have you? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's my take. <laughs> uh, I I will just echo that and say that this is the, yeah, it just pumps me up. The little the comment I literally have in my notes is this song just pumps me up. I have no clue what they're singing about. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, what a what a, a way to kick it off, man. That synth right out the gate with the uh, maracas or shakers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, even watching him do it live, how uh, I th- who mm. usually plays the maracas is it, is it Cedric? I'm trying to remember somebody. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's shaking them, and it just and then it just kicks right off into a new stratosphere. And then uh, it reminded me of I sent you guys this the other day, saying that uh, the refused album Shape of Punk to Come would be a oh yeah a good palate cleanser at some point. This is, this song is a twinner in a way to New Noise on that album. 
in that they both have this kind of intro that kind of takes a little bit. And then as soon as it gets going, it's just like straight to 11, you know? Um, oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just... And by the way, this song is not on the best of. And how it is not on the best of I don't is know. baffling I don't know. to me. Because I feel like if you were to give someone like, what does At The Drive-In sound like? Like, this is probably one of the songs you would give them as, yep. you know, a taster. Um, I, I echo everything you said, Logan. Um, I don't know if I would say it's my favorite opener of all time because I haven't really sat down and thought about it, but it is a damn good opener. Um, oh, so. yeah. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, yeah. just yeah. let me jump in there really quick. I think that uh, uh, Refused was one of the, uh, another blind buy. Like, I just, I saw it, I saw the cover, I read everything on it, and I'm just like, I need to own this. I don't know what it is. And it, it's just at that time, same time period. Uh, so I love yeah. when those it, work it, out. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. Very similar energy, though. Similar Although... and different and experimental and pushing the boundaries of punk, just like this album. Um, but they sound completely yeah. different to me. Um, but Although uh, I would say I think At The Drive-In maybe has them an edge on them in terms of energy a little bit. Oh like, yeah. I, I love new noise and it's, it's definitely a, a banger as we say, uh, and, and pumps you up, but it's hard to beat this song when it comes to that. Um, Matt, what did you think about our Arsenal? Uh, it really grabs you. Um, I, I agree. It's a great opener in, in a band that has some great openers. Of course, we all remember sailing all alone. Uh, <laughs> of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, Lord, 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 Lord. <laughs> was, was also a, a, a great, uh, opening track, but yeah, th- this, you know, uh, they remain true to form. Um, I, I really was, was taken by, there's there's more of a sense of place. I, I I don't know how else to describe it with this. You know, you're they're they're, they're setting the stage for uh, for the album. Um, you know, I got the rolling mm. drums. Uh, I love those those really kind of um, strangled squeaky guitar parts that they're doing. Uh, and then of mm. course they bring in and they're the king of the offbeats. Uh, it, it's it's yeah. such a syncopated uh, you know God. sound, but it's so tight also, and and it just really you know. It propels you. Um, I also love when that piano comes in. You know, they mm. bring in you know additional sonic elements that that really kind of you know fill it out and and, and make it a, a a great intro. That piano, akin, by the really... way. Oh, go, go ahead. No, I agree on the piano. I would say akin to Airbag by Radiohead in that as soon as it, mm. you know you put the the needle on the groove it, and that first Airbag note hits, times ten takes in terms you, of energy. but taking you into that. You were saying sense of place, Matt, taking you into this world that you're like, we're going to be in this world for this next 12 tracks, you know, <laughs> like that first note just grabs you immediately like airbag does. Yeah. A world that's going to rip your damn head off. <laughs> yeah. We, I know we all liked star slight, but, um, in my opinion, this song fucking stomps it into the ground and spits <laughs> on it. Um, <laughs> oh man. So it had been 15 years and I remembered one arm scissor and everything, but I, I didn't, uh, it had left my memory how this album started, how it opened. And as soon as I, uh, put in that CD, I was like, Oh, right. The fucking maracas. And then the, the, the drums. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the weird, uh, guitar, uh, noodlings and the, uh, synthy thing. And then all of a sudden, dun, 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 like uh that yeah that is one of the the great uh syncopated uh uh 
offbeat uh, guitar things of all time. If if it, the album started with any other song but this, it would be a crime. Love that even in such a, a harsh um, song uh, and a song that rocks so hard, the, the piano from Hourglass finds its way into the bridge. <laughs> it, it somehow totally fits. Uh, it, it's a kick-ass song. I really like it. If anyone knows Cedric or Cedric's listening to this, my God, man, you sound crazy yeah. on this song. Just insane. <laughs> he screams himself hoarse by I, the end. It's just, it's the most inspiring like vocals I've ever heard. I don't know. It's crazy. It's just so but, full of energy. By the way, I'll, I'll point this out here. Uh, so you, you mentioned the big day out thing um, in, in your... Right, montage right. there and you know they played this song at the big day out festival this is one of the three tracks they played before they got yeah. off stage i can easily see why them playing this would get <laughs> it got, people it got so people pumped. excited but at the oh, same man. time you know they're trying to calm people down um one thing you didn't mention though was so they were you know obviously telling people Cedric was telling people to calm down and not mosh, uh, slam dance against one another. Then they stormed off after three songs. Well, later that evening during the headlining set by Limp Biscuit, um, a similar thing happened where the crowd started going crazy. And rather than telling them, Hey, calm down. <laughs> Fred Durst was basically like, no, go harder. Even to the point that the security guards started telling him, Hey, you need to stop. And, you know, back off for a little bit. And he got pissed about that. And in the end, a person died, was crushed to death in that crowd. Um, And I I can point you, there's a good YouTube video. If you just search Big Day Out, Limp Biscuit, you'll find a video um, talking about it. It doesn't actually show anything like, you know, violence or anything. But uh, it goes through every single thing. And Limp Biscuit, uh, Fred Durst, is... Not a great guy, because while the security is telling him to, you know, stop playing, calm down, he starts telling the guy that he's a F word, a gay slur. Oh, oh good. And that kind of oh, stuff. Uh, and it's just, it, it doesn't look too good. <laughs> so anyway, uh, just yeah. wanted to point that out about yeah, Big Day Out Festival and homophobic well, bands, by the way. Well, Fred Durst it... never, never charged. <laughs> oh, there were lawsuits, by the way. Um, that was a whole thing. But anyway. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's Carson, definitely a sad right. deal. But also, yes, there is footage of them playing our Carsonal. There, all three songs. Definitely check it out. It's worth a watch. I've never seen legs look so noodly from Omar. Like those guys are wired out of their fucking minds, and yeah. Omar's legs just turned into rubber. And I'm just watching that and like. And when Cedric grabs his jowls and sticks his fingers in his mouth and pulls his mouth apart as far as he can, like, oh, and he licks the the microphone. (laughs) And out of the first, Jim Ward throws his guitar. Like, at the end, it's like the first song. Like, it's just nuts. Like, I don't even know. Breaks his guitar in half. Like, we need need a tune. How much speed or crank they were on to be able to pull that off but i don't know it's uh it's amazing it's worth a watch the temp the tempo of the arc arsenal bit you played in at the beginning there <laughs> logan that was insane oh I was yeah like, wait a minute are they really gonna do oh, arc yeah. arsenal this fast oh yeah oh. like they were 
on on one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, speaking of being on one, let's uh, let's go to the next track, "Pattern Against User." Oh my god, this is a punk rock masterpiece. Holy shit. Perfect second track. Paul, oh my god, this guy is a damn monster. That bass sounds so good. Like, I'm going to be honest, this album has one of my favorite bass tones ever. Like, I just think the everything on this album bass-wise sounds just fucking fantastic. The little breakdown is so cool and spacey, and when everyone... Everything kind of comes back in. It's just savage sounding. You can hear like swirling phasers and then the chorus just worms its way through your ears and distant earths. Oh, my God. I love this song. Uh, just incredible. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. So <laughs> I, You're totally right, Logan, that this is a great second track. Uh there's there's so much climbing, uh, you know, climbing chord progressions that that really, you know, ha- have a sense of movement. Um I love any song that's going to have a a drum intro with a hey, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> that, that that brings it in, and then and then they come back and do it on the outro also, right? Um, <laughs> you mentioned that kind of spacey yep. uh, spacey third part that that was the one that that sounded very, and I think it's other bands maybe trying to emulate this sound, but that that was the part that sounded the most you know of its time, late nineties, early two thousands, you know, kind of pop punk sound but but you're right when they when they bring that climbing progression back in it just really comes together you know this is a this is a great track yeah that that intro which they the song uh i love the way it ends the same way as it starts which is with hey um so much damn energy in this song um I, I'm glad Logan mentioned the bass. It becomes quite apparent in this song and then, of course, throughout the rest of the album. Um, Paul Enohos, am I saying it right? Yeah. Someone better alert Chet Atkins because he <laughs> is in danger of tearing the neck off the damn thing. He's going to tear the neck off. As far as bass playing goes. It is my – it's like uh, – I think you mentioned um, the the producer claiming he would capture the live energy um, – uh, of at the drive-in yes. on this record and whatever he was doing throwing objects at them and whatnot it it was working uh, oh, yeah. they, they sound like they're playing for their damn lives uh especially on that bass which cuts through this mix um like a mofo um, you could almost argue that the bass is mixed too high <laughs> um but uh luckily it's really really good bass playing so yeah. I, I can't fault it too much for that um i i also love the bridge is probably my favorite part of the song where it actually calms down it feels a little bit sweeter 
them. Oh yeah. When the clocks when the clock starts ticking down yeah. part. And the little, the, little uh, gu- the, the the harsh guitars turn into um like undistorted arpeggios or whatever they're doing. Yeah, that uh, interplay vi- is so cool. Just a really jangly yeah. little uh-huh. interplay between the two. It's the height of like a beautiful emo styled bridge. Um but I love the whole thing. Yeah. Great track too. By the way, if anyone's listening to this going, man, these guys are just going to fawn over this whole time. Do they not like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I have a feeling like this, this is not going to be one where there's going to be any song that we're going to be like, this is a total stinker of a track. <laughs> yeah. And guys, you know, it's, it's a new year. It we got to sell it. We got to celebrate. We got to celebrate at some <laughs> uh, point, you know. But at the same this time, I'm not, gonna guarantee, I'm, I'm not guaranteeing I love every song. I'm just saying, as far as like yeah. really specific criticisms, I, I don't know. The album starts so strong. It's like it's, it's tough. Yeah, this is you're talking about uh, our Arsenal Logan being one of the best openers ever. This might be one of the best second tracks ever, just because yeah, it takes sure. that in energy, keeps it going. You guys already mentioned the drum intro. I mean that just kicks ass and how it comes back at the end. Yeah. I don't, don't have a ton to say that you guys haven't already said. It just is a great second track. I love, um, this one thing he does on bass. And I think it's a, I don't know if I would say it's a bass hack. I think it's just a, the way, <laughs> the way you play bass, um, one weird trick on the me, bass. me being someone that doesn't, uh, know much about, you know, music <laughs> theory thinks it's some sort of hack, but anyway, it's the climbing the octaves thing. Uh, Matt, you kind of mentioned it, but I, I, it's, it's, you know, as the vocals get more, um, dramatic, I guess you could say, and the energy picks up like playing higher and higher octaves on the bass uh, really makes that energy more pronounced in a way. You guys know what I'm talking about? I, like, so I you, do, yeah. you just keep yeah. playing it higher and higher. And it it's one of those things you can do on bass that helps make the song sound even more intense and brings it to more of a climax, you know, and he does that really effectively on this one. And, and on it's not chorus. just that. I, in And I think it's in the, the choruses, when, I, when I'm thinking of at least, he, he starts climbing it, and but the first time through, uh, I think he's playing, you know, like a four chord and a five chord, and he instead of keeping climbing, he would play the next note an octave below the first time around, and so then, it's juxtaposed. Yeah, with it, so yeah. so so you're still kind of you know getting that climbing sensation, but it's almost like a barber pole. You know, he, he moves it down, you know, down an octave, yeah. and then the second time through the phrase, he he takes it that uh, uh, you know. All the way up the octave, and yeah, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I, I I noticed the, the same thing that 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 climbing bass just really propels. It, it's it's a thing Matt Sharp does in Weezer um, a lot. I know on Pinkerton, like on Good Life, uh, there's a, a part Matt Sharp does that's very similar, where it's just that climbing octaves. But anyway, uh, yeah. So yeah. Um, the next song though is a total. Uh, it sucks. So we can just get to the third song. <laughs> yeah, we we'll can just skip, we skip, skip it. it. Let's I just not even it, talk it, about it. It's probably the worst. <laughs> Track three, One Arm Scissor. <laughs> Sickles 
Ah, yes. The actual song that pulled me into all of this. And I'm usually not much of a single kind of guy, you know, like song singles. To me, singles are kind of like trailers to albums, and I usually become tired of them by the time the album comes out. But this is a hell of a trailer. (laughs) It's really, in my opinion, the best single of 2000. Uh, first time I heard it, I was hooked. Like, amazingly, I still love this song, which is so rare for me to, like, like most songs by, like, artists that I love, like, I'm so bored of their singles that I, I just can't even listen to them anymore. But this one has stuck. Uh, according to a Channel V interview, a one-armed scissor is a mixture of Red Bull and vodka, and that the song is about their tours told from the omniscient character named the one-armed scissor who sees their hardships they deal with while on tour. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Um <laughs> But the first three songs here, guys, are just, like, killing it. Like, I don't know how you have, like, if there's a spot for the best track three. Like, yeah. oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Uh, whew, everything just is gelling very, very well. This is a top-tier uh, essential at the drive-in track for sure. Yeah. Um, I also love it. Um it's it's wild that it's a, a single, so to speak, at all, because it definitely does not fit in the pop song single mold. Um, it has a runtime of four minutes, 20 seconds. Nice. 420. Um, <laughs> nice. It's, Ayo, smoke them. It's, uh, bla- blaze up. It's, it's structure. I really love its structure. It's unusual and... Uh, Radio singles don't really have this structure, but um, so it it starts off with kind of the motif that's in four four. Then it goes to a verse one that uh, is in six ta- six eight. They left to switch to six eight. They go back to the four four chorus. Verse two almost sounds like a bridge, but it's actually uh, <laughs> changing up the structure. That ver- it's it's no longer in the same structure uh, that verse one was in. It's it's back to four four. Um, I, I mistook it for a bridge at first, and they go back into the chorus. Then there there's a whole outro thing. Um, it's wild, and then there's a whole long noisy um, post song uh, thing that happens between tracks. Um, it just fucking slaps throughout. To me, okay. So as far as the meaning of of this song and uh, the uh, the Red Bull and vodka and being about, I know that they write about their experiences as a band a lot. But to me, I, I hear a lot of the space metaphors coming back. Um, uh, space stations trying to communicate with each other. Um, you know, oxygen tanks, all that. That's kind of hard to to deny. I never knew about the um, the the red bull and vodka thing but to me uh when you say one-armed scissor i mean that's a knife is that <laughs> right is that what <laughs> they're going for here um i mean uh the, the song certainly uh cuts like a knife and um, it is cut away rather than like when i first heard it yeah I could, it's i could have sworn it sounded like get away um but it is right. cut away yeah, it's cut, cutting like scissors. I thought it was getaway too, but later on I was like, "Oh yeah, cutaway scissors." That 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 makes that sense. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know the the whole the thing's just awesome. I I, I love every every part of it. Um, yeah, I I'm I'm not sick of it. These these fifteen plus years later. 
Yeah, um, keeps that foot on the gas. I mean, they just are pedal to the floor at this point. Um, I have to mention this is on the the best of, obviously. And if you go to Spotify, this is by far the most played at the drive-in song. It's like 20 million some odd plays compared to most of their stuff, which is 2 million around that. One thing, <laughs> okay, I should say, by the way, I, I do love this song. This is the first one I ever saw, uh, actually saw the video for it. This was the video they played mm-hmm. on uh, that Channel One news that I saw in yeah. school. Uh, the video is just a kind of compilation of them performing live. And I think it's worth noting that part of the appeal of this band, at least I feel the appeal at that time was the, the, what they looked like the 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 visual had those. Yeah. They had these big Uh afros and they were crazy on stage. Um, had wobbly legs, had them wobbly legs. And I mean, they get compared sometimes in terms of the, the way they look to a band that Mr. Iggy Pop was very familiar with, which is the MC5 mm. from Detroit. And uh, they kind of do have a similar look. And that video, because some of it's in black and white, you almost could think like, is this a band that I've just <laughs> never heard of from the right. 70s? Um, although it's worth mentioning their music sounds like it wouldn't, you know, doesn't sound like it should have existed in 2000, let alone the 1970s. But beyond the fact that I love it, and I, I have nothing really to add that is going to really explain why I love it, that Blake didn't already articulate there, I do have to point out that I can't hear the part where he says neutered without thinking he says new turd. <laughs> A new turd is a vastness. Oh my god! A new turd is the vastness. Now I'm gonna. And and it just I can't. And now you're never gonna be able to not hear it. Uh, It's yeah. Thanks. It's just I don't know. It's so juvenile. But man, every time I hear him say that, I almost start laughing. Dude, I love the uh, the Conan O'Brien performance of this song uh, because when it gets to that part, (laughs) Cedric's standing over like some you know pedals and everything, and it's like in the cargo bay. You know, it's like it pitch yeah, shift he is used down. Effects on his voice, uh, like yeah. that is yeah, so he, he cool. He has like a whole board. Yeah, and he's just going wild, wild, and just. Oh, and at the and, end of that performance, him and Omar just take off running off the stage, right? <laughs> right. Leaving it's the other three behind. Insanity. Uh, really quick before we turn it over to Matt, uh, one in- lyric that really kind of sticks out to me is the pucker up and kiss the asphalt now. Um, yeah, I think that really kind of if you you think back to, you know, Julio Venegas, um, I think, you know, they're still dealing with that trauma and these songs are still therapy for uh, uh, some of the people that have they've lost in their life. Um, but yeah, just a little observation I had. But uh, hmm. uh, Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I, I love that lyric, uh, Logan. Yeah, th- this song, I, there's one of my notes is that. It has so many parts, but they're all good. Um, you know, it's got that 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 intro riff, uh, just well, or, or that that intro rhythm just grabs you, and then just as soon as you've kind of you know gotten accustomed, they they go up to that that two minor chord, and and it's kind of more of a. Uh, you know, not as frantic, uh, kind of tense, uh, tense sound. And then the, uh, then the chorus comes in and it's, um, you know, going hard and, and, and you're totally right, Josh, that, that second verse, uh, they do like a little eight bar phrase that kind of has just a stumbling bass or, or stumbling drum, um, part that, that really just, you know, it, everything sounds exactly like it, you know, it's exactly what it, sh- what should be right there to, to suit the song. 
Um, you know, I it, lots of stuff has been said already. Uh, you know, so I I'll append to that just that yeah it's it's great um i love the station is non-operational line uh i my theory was space (laughs) my theory was that it was about a crystal radio uh you know because you used to make like if you're in a foxhole and you make a a radio out of a a razor blade um you know in the transmissions and and all of that so i uh whoa that that was my theory i mean i I think think it sounds like we've got a a more authentic source but yeah Hmm. interesting well geez well, all right, everyone. I hope no one's falling asleep out there because you wouldn't want to fall asleep to this next one because you might end up sleepwalking, like sleepwalk capsules. Oh, holy, 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 this song bangs. Jeez, like, Cedric sounds completely <laughs> insane. Once again, the, the, the lyrics are just, I don't even know how he's spitting all that out, but it's just, like, this it's just on spitting. another level. It's just on another level. <laughs> uh, the guitars, oh, I can't, uh, amazing. Everything is fire. like, everybody is firing on all cylinders. Like, this whole album, like, people, all of them are just, whatever Ross is doing, it's working. I've never heard anything remotely close to this. It's just great. The pacifier pacified is just a cool line. Uh, the Lazarus through the party segment is just really chill and kind of psychedelic sounding. It, it makes me think of the sleep pods aboard the Nostromo and alien. Uh, and that heavy mm-hmm. part that I sampled with that crazy evil bass, just, uh, that sound is just, I don't know what they're doing to that bass, but it sounds amazing. I don't know what it is, but holy shit. <laughs> well, yeah. this is where my first criticism comes in. This is my first piece of criticism, Logan. After you gave that glowing uh, you know, statement there about it, here's what it is. This song should not have been the fourth track. All right, they have the perfect one, two, three punch there. Your perfect first track, perfect second track, perfect third track. I feel like invalid litter department the next one should have been this here i feel like you need you need to you need a little bit of relief you need to you know have a bit of a come down and then this one should have been the fifth track and to bring you back up anybody else feel that way am i wrong on the sequencing here that it's it's this yeah, you're wrong <laughs> yeah i, I, I think agree. the I, uh i think, I think that the end of uh one arm scissor you know that little sound effect thing going into this sounds really cool i think those parts that's to give you a break that's, that's your break giving the, you, you the don't break get a break there i just feel like you flip you flip this in invalid litter department and it works better i i feel like but what do i know i'm not, i'm like telling well the then artist, you'd have you know, i don't like your vision that you have here um well that's fine i just feel like also it ha- this song the other thing that i have an issue with is it's a good song but coming after those first three which have a similar tone and energy to this one but are better songs like this one pales i feel like a little bit in comparison to those like but it, are you gonna it, it let that been... over 
overshadow like how you feel about the song overall like no it's a good song i i like it i love the back and forth vocals with with jim ward and cedric you know that they're going back and forth on it i i like the bridge especially the the lazarus through the party part i just feel like sequencing wise this would i would appreciate this song more if it was track five Mm. and i had a little bit of distance between it and one arm scissor pattern against user and arc arsenal, which are all just it's banger, banger, banger. <laughs> and then it'd be nice to have a little relief and then come back with this one. And I would I would just appreciate it more, I feel like. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Matt, am I wrong? Or do you you disagree no, on this or I think that that you're I, I, I would I would make that flip as well, um if if presented. Um you know, because it is it is a lot of high intensity, you know, kind of right out of the gate. And yeah, and I mean, I think they maintain that intensity throughout the whole the whole record. But um, but yeah, they 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 definitely keep the pedal you know keep the pedal down with this. I love this song. Um, the, the those syncopated uh, guitar notes, you know, right, right at the uh, uh, to to lead it out. Um, look, I agree that the bass tone overall on the album is a great bass tone. They do use, uh, I think it's like an envelope filter or something, and I think it shows up here and it shows up in a couple more places. I personally just don't like that particular tone, so that kind of stuck out a little bit to me. But but that's just you know that's just a personal preference thing for me. I think it works in the mix. Um, you know, I, I would just like to hear it perhaps with with a cleaner tone or you know something with a little grit rather than um, kind of the the warble of that filter. But um, I, I love that they're kind of sticking to you know the mythology uh, imagery you know with the emperor wearing no clothes, um, and and my probably my favorite part of the whole track is the it pacifies <laughs> that, that that kind of callback <laughs> uh, uh, lyric uh, sing uh, really really works out. I'm I'm sure it's probably Jim Ward, but uh, uh, yeah, just kind of switching up the rhythm with with the other pacifies. Yeah. Um... Sometimes an album is just wall to wall bangers and you got to you don't really get much of it. like like when we listen to uh, I get wet um sometimes you don't get a chance to breathe and and that's okay. I personally like that uh, after the little interstitial thing after one arm scissor this song just uh comes slamming in like a brick wall. The energy is is still through the roof. Um <laughs> <laughs> they're all they're all tearing the necks off the suckers still call um, i like yeah exactly i like uh i like wordplay like lazarus through the party through the fight you know wordplay on the word one of those english words through that has several meanings several spellings um uh harkens back to to kurt cobain uh something interesting i noticed i don't know if it's on purpose but um uh god i'm gonna see if i can even sing it <laughs> yeah, the snuck inside the sound of sleep that's the same as wormed our way through distant earth yeah uh, is, so that- <laughs> is cedric here guys did you guys hear that i feel like cedric was just here <laughs> oh josh josh that was me blake. oh shit that was me blake i thought cedric <laughs> yeah. was here uh, <laughs> um yeah i've been practicing that uh but yeah uh overall and i i know what what I understand what Matt's saying about about the bass, and I mentioned it. It's kind of hot. It's weird and hot in the mix. It almost reaches that farty uh, consistency. 
Um, but it, it's still really good. I, I wonder if Omar was it Omar that kind of has spoken about having a problem with the mix? Yeah, was he the one? Yep. Uh, I wonder if it has to do with the guitar sits back further in this mix than it normally does on a, on a rock album it, for some weird reason. And I, I don't know really? if it's like a, a oh man, I, to me, it, like to me, the, the, the drums and, and guitar, especially the guitar it come, come through the most on a rock album, like, especially on something like the, of this genre. And I, I feel like the guitar sits back a, even further than almost takes a back seat to the bass. Um, oh, wow. And yeah. especially, we, I know we all, we all love Cedric's vocal stylings and we all love to hear him do his thing. But I don't know if anyone asked for a mix where Cedric's voice was the loudest thing <laughs> throughout the whole thing. Um, but other than those minor uh, uh, mix uh, quibbles, uh, it's still a kick-ass song and a, and a kick-ass album overall. I feel like some of the guitars are hot and some are, you know, like like yeah. the, the single note lines, you know, come through yeah. really clear. But but all of the rhythm parts, yeah, they're 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 definitely sitting sitting back. Like, yeah, and it's just it's kind of weird. Yeah, I I was thinking just today. I was just like, man, how can I get guitars to sound like this? I've always wanted because like, I was thinking they were like exceptionally hot, and I'm just like, oh man, th- these guitars just sound so fucking rad and mean. And like, I was just I thought they were probably sitting too far in the mix, like for most people's taste. And I thought it was just me that liked that. I think but... the tone that. The tones they got are awesome on the guitars on this album. S- sometimes they're sitting a little further back than than some guitarists would want them, but not all the time. I should I'm yeah, and that would that brush. would line up with some of the things that uh, Omar said too. So yeah, that that yeah. tracks. Well, cool. Well, uh, let's move on to the next track. I don't know if it's invalid or invalid, but we're going with uh, invalid litter department. Dancing on the corpse's ashes And that's the guitar part I was talking about just <laughs> just now. That's yeah. what I I hit today. I was like, how, how this sounds so amazing. Like the guitars just sound that's huge. so huge. I've never heard guitars yeah. that sound that huge. And when I heard that for the first time in my life, like that was it. I was just like, I gotta do that. And uh <laughs> but no, I think this song is another like masterpiece. It's it's like, how are they writing these songs? Are they just like, I heard this was a very emotional song for the band, especially for the drummer, Tony. I think Ross brought up Tony's deceased mother or his grandmother and wanted him to focus on her while he drummed. And the heavy part at the end that we just talked about, that's so good. Um, But can that part 
alone just be the banger of the entire album. Like, <laughs> like that, it's just like yeah. that part alone could just be a banger of the. But no, I I, I think uh, Cedric's screams here are frightening. Like they're just off the ch- off the charts. Um, and I love the interplay of the guitars. It's just so interesting, and I just think this is really like the first time I feel like so far that we've just seen Omar just completely shredding. Like he's just going to fucking town, and I I love it. I just mm-hmm. absolutely love it. Uh, yes, I will. I will uh, also <laughs> assert that this is a, a great, great tune. Um, there, there's so much to like here. It's got that intro, uh, you know, very kind of spooky sounding to to set the uh, set the scene. I, I love those spooky guitars. Uh, they they kind of remind me of like a, a a shine on you crazy diamond guitar almost. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know the 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 dancing on the course uh, the corpses ashes. I love that they're working in a major key. And that kind of uh, rolling, um, you know, they're, they're getting lots of major thirds in that uh, that little guitar riff, uh, the low guitar riff that's going during the verses, um, and then that chorus. I mean, I I loved. I'm, I believe I, I confirmed that this is in drop D, but I I, I love uh, just that. It just all comes together for them. They do my favorite drop D trick where you're playing a G and then you go kind of to a D, but it's got the the lower F sharp on it. You know, it's just a really interesting chord uh, chord voicing. And then um, the you're talking about uh, his uh, vo- vocal mic being hot. The tambourine cuts through so uh, so well. Uh, yeah, in this, it's it's definitely in your face. And then. Yeah, that that outro is is right where you want to be. Um, just so heavy, so syncopated, <laughs> uh, and, and there, yeah, I, I think it's um, you know the, the mix comes together really well, and those guitars uh, mix well. I, I've noticed a lot on this album. There's there'll be like a single note kind of sustained guitar riff that's one part, and then you know a, a more rhythm rhythmic part that it just really meshes well on, on a lot of these tracks. Yeah, this song is all over the damn place. Um, so this is one of their longest songs up to this point, at least. Maybe their longest. Uh, Logan will have to fact check me there. Um, and that I like that it's a multi-movement song. So they've got you know the very moody, darker intro. Then all of a sudden, it's in this major key, and we have spoken word verses, <laughs> which is always a very bold choice. Um, I know we were we were talking earlier when when I hear it I'm like oh this this kind of harkens back to uh Sonic Youth like when they they'd let uh Lee Ronaldo or whoever do some do some slam poetry stylings <laughs> over over a, a really cool uh guitar riff or something and it that's always kind of a bold gambit because when you do spoken word poetry style stuff over music you're you, it it feels like you're making yourself more more vulnerable. Um, the lyrics are certainly more on display um, than they would be normally. And um, if if something that you're saying it sa- sounds goofy, I feel like it's gonna stick out more. And I don't I don't know that Cedric 100%s it, but um, it's pretty good for what it is. I especially like lines like they made sure the obituaries showed pictures of smokestacks. And I can appreciate that. Uh, I, from my understanding, is the song is uh, about 
murdered women uh, found in the in the in the deserts outside of Juarez, Mexico, I think, and mm-hmm. uh, these cases are never solved. Um, really dark, horrific shit uh, that I didn't really know about until I started looking into the song's lyrics and watching the video, which is all about that. Um, goes back into that that moody uh, stuff with the piano for the bridge, and then of course it just uh, you know blasts your face off with it that. Uh, <laughs> uh, rock and roll outro that we heard there um and then once again cedric uh screams himself hoarse to end it all out but yeah it's a good track yeah blake you uh mentioned the, the music video for this which it makes it very explicit that it's about the those murdered yeah. women in, in juarez there's it, it has like facts popping up on the screen about uh what's happening mm-hmm. there in between you know shots of of shots of war as Mexico in the desert and that kind of thing. Um, I'll just add that, uh, I, I really like this song. It perfectly captures somehow a mood that could best be described, I guess, as like spookiness mixed with sadness. Like I, I can't put my finger on exactly what it is, but there's something about the, the notes they choose, the tones they choose that it's, it's almost like the musical sonic equivalent of a mystery novel <laughs> that leaves you kind of depressed, <laughs> that leaves you like kind of depressed because it, it just, I don't know what it is. It, it is it, as soon as you hear those first notes and it kicks in, it just, at least for me, immediately gives you a certain vibe that I've never heard another song. I think replicate that, that vibe um, of just being kind of, spooked or scared but combined with like a, a kind of sadness I, I i don't know that's my take i'm, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't mention the the piano part josh that little yeah that piano. adds to it as well yeah, yeah. i yeah. i really I, that little bit is great and and the pinch harmonics into the chorus uh i they, they were in the clip and i just wanted to highlight those as well because it's just such a great little mm. little turnaround yeah, I think Jim's piano uh, really adds a lot to this album overall, and um, I think we'll have more to say about that yeah. in the future. And um, but uh, yeah, he, I, sure. I think that really adds to another texture and layer to the album that's been missing, not completely, but I think it's it's more in the forefront here with this one, um, in the forefront of like a store, you know, like in the front window where like there'd be like a mannequin. <laughs> um, yeah, a mannequin, a small mannequin republic, maybe. Labor-concentrated with this sheepless chapel Oh, they call it a wasteland, baby. This song is so fun. It's fast and mean. It reminds me of a more focused uh, and developed version of like a song like A Devil Among the Tailors that we heard on 
in Casino yeah. Out. I think that's where they've kind of taken that that sound that's popped up here and there throughout their discography that now this is like that focused. This is their best version of that kind of sound um, to me, at least um, uh, again, we hear that evil sounding bass that I was talking about towards the end. That's so cool. And and that's the, the little clip that I have for the, the second one, if you wouldn't mind to pull that up. <laughs> All Paul's bass parts and tone is just crazy on this. You know, this is obviously, I think, a taste thing, but I love anything that just, like, in a small amounts, just steps over the line and then turns around and spits on the line. Um, and that's what this bass part is to me, just because it just sounds so like the bass already sounds great. And then all of a sudden it's just kicked up to this another, another level of just like, it's just like growling. And I remember trying to get <laughs> the first bassist in my band. I'm like, can you just sound like that one, like really growly part, like on that, uh, you can know, you do that filter, can you do that thing. Like, can you make your bass sound like that? And, <laughs> you know, it never, wow, never, wow. never ended up like that. Um, but you know, I think he must've, uh, really, uh, I, I don't know what Ross did to him, but he must've really thought Ross was going to drive him off a bluff or something because he <laughs> definitely got him pumped up, but no, I love it. Uh, it, it's a cool song and I, I think it's kind of the best of their, their mean punk kind of sounding songs. Do you think Ross really did threaten his life if he didn't tear the neck off the damn thing? Yeah. He probably, you know, <laughs> said like, Pfft. You know, you're going to go down as not Chet Adkins if you don't. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mean, they they almost are playing like people who are, are playing for their lives. Yeah. If, if that makes sense. Probably throwing scissors um, at them or something. One-arm it, scissors. <laughs> that's that's where they got that, the title. That's where the other knives. arm went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the scissor broke against someone's skull. Um. In my notes, I I uh, accidentally wrote mannequin Republican. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Which, Josh Hawley. What I, are you talking about? <laughs> they call it a wasteland, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I like it better because it rhymes and it sounds catchy. So uh, I kind of wish it was called that, but it it's still a good title, um, <laughs> uh, even without my my uh, misinterpretation. Um, yeah, the energy smacks hard. Uh, Logan mentioned um, "Devil Among the Tailors." I have that. This is this is this album's version of "Pickpocket." It's that same uh, tempo and and rhythm almost, or it's a similar. It's like the the fa- maybe the fastest on the album. Uh, kind of like "Pickpocket" was the fastest on that one, I think. Um, so yeah, tons of energy. <laughs> There's something about oh, what's what's the line about sutures? Something is being sutured up in in the lyrics here, and I, and I'm thinking is at this point I'm I'm like is it is is it even a a Cedric lyric if some if there aren't sutures yeah. and scalpels <laughs> in, involved? Um, but while while it is a really good and and fun and energetic, by this point in the album, I'm almost now now I'm the one who's an old man, and I'm almost like. Man, can can they can they keep can they just keep doing this to me? Um, the, <laughs> the uh the the energy maybe I'm I'm craving a, a different flavor at this point, but um uh, yeah, it uh, it it does rock. Uh, but I'm I'm more interested in getting to something like like the next one maybe, which we'll get to. I uh this is the first one I have to say I really have no strong feelings about. 
I, I got I got nothing to really say. I will I, I will say that I I have a. Uh, placed uh bets on all uh your, your <laughs> okay. stuff, uh, bangers <laughs> okay. and just so far i just want to let you guys know that i'm doing really well <clears throat> okay. okay i i thought you the, would the guess this is, is in the, this is the first one that yeah I, nothing grabbed me on it and and it's it's one that when i did my final tally i i did not include it on my list of like yes i liked this song and would hmm. yeah i'm sorry i got nothing matt um, it's definitely in, uh, you know, one of the, 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 they're, they're in their thrash gear, uh, which is, you know, a gear that they've shown before. Um, I, I think it's a fine tune. Um, I like that they kind of switch between the really, um, you know, kind of sinister, uh, verse part and then have a, uh, are back in a major chord or, or major key for the, the chorus, I have down specifically. Uh, there's a drum fill at 015 that's just really, really tough. Um, but uh, yeah, I I don't have a lot to say. Um, you know, it, it's it's another one of their thrash ones. It's fun, uh, but um, di- didn't really stick out to me uh, uh, particularly. All right, so we will go on to our next song. I think I mispronounced it earlier. I do think it's Infalod. Um, so let's let's pull that one up. The the phone call at the beginning with Iggy Pop is just such a great mood setter uh, from the onset. I I love the creepy atmosphere. Um, I love the more electronic and experimental sounds going on. It just sounds like it's from another universe to me. And the chorus just rips so hard. And again, with the bass, uh, drums, every everyone is on fire. Um, and infilade means a volley of gunfire directed along a line from end to end. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I also really love the line amnesia in our alibis. And I just, I don't know. This song is, is all atmosphere to me. And I just, it's, it's really up there. It's kind of one of the, I do feel like it could be like one of those like sleeper tracks that it's just like, don't sleep on this one. Cause this one will sneak up on you. I don't know. I like it. Oh, yeah. Hmm. It'll slit your throat in the night. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm still confused by the intro. I, I have no idea what is... Uh, if, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, it was it's the phone call that you you heard earlier in the episode, uh, spoken by, by Mr. Iggy Pop. So this one, I feel like, is one that kind of points the direction towards the Mars Volta. Like... I, I feel like yeah. this is one where you hear the DNA of the Mars Volta coming together. I say that, by the way, being someone who's only ever listened to one Mars Volta album and <laughs> is not like I've never really dove into their catalog. So maybe I'm wrong on that, but it just something about like the effect on on Cedric's vocals, the sort of wateriness of the effect combined with the, the congas and everything gives it a very Mars Volta feel to me. Um I will say, by the way, this is this is on the best of. 
Um, which invalid litter department, I forgot to mention this, invalid invalid litter department is not on the best of. It's, really? It's on a That's bonus weird. DVD. The video is the bonus DVD that comes with it, but it is not on the actual CD. That's weird. For some reason, it's false very weird. It advertising. Um, but but this song is, and also I should mention that this was uh, my wife's favorite song on this album for a while. Um, I remember uh, when we first got it, she really liked this one. That's By the cool. way, what what is the noise during the freight train coming? Can someone tell me? You know, it's doing the freight train coming freight for. There's the is wah, it the bass? Oh, it I was sounds thinking, like a bass yeah, filter, and that's bass what, pedal. Oh, it just sounds awesome. I, I don't know it. what that is. Yeah, it's cool. Wah, it wah, sounds wah, like wah, a synth cool. pedal. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool little little touch there that I I think really yeah, adds I, to I that part. That, yeah, you know, yeah. Little fill of that part. For sure. Uh, so th- those are my thoughts, uh, Matt. Uh, yeah, I mean it, it's great. Um, it's the, the ransom call, you know, kind of s- uh, sets more of that uh, more of that spooky feel. Um, I forget which song of on. <laughs> can you not word. Hear me? No, we're I, I we're commenting on more of that. How you said more of that. Whenever <laughs> you say more of that, we have we have to do a Pee Wee Herman thing. <laughs> oh, hey, cherry. I actually never watched Pee Wee Herman, but. Um, no, not allowed in the Taylor household. The, you, oh, no. you're, you're right. <laughs> no bow ties for you. Was it oh, on God. PBS? No, I don't no, think it was. No, it was on ABC, it, I think. I know, was, the joke I was oh. saying, I feel like every every uh, time I ever came okay. over to your house, it was always PBS, so that's just what yeah, I assumed. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I like this song. Uh, I like the more techno feel. Um, I, I don't re- recall which song it was on In Casino Out, but there was another song that kind of had. I I think I mentioned that it's out, reminded me of Idiotech, but it, it's uh, they're they're kind of yeah branching into that more kind of um, techno spooky feel. Josh, you mentioned the uh, the modulation on the vocals. That's that's definitely kind of a, di- a different direction that they're going. Um, I love the interlude uh, with that that kind of cheesy organ part. That yes. Oh, um, no, it's one of those. What are those called? They're like little keyboards, and it has a little chord thing that goes into your mouth. Oh, and they're yeah. like, oh, yes, oh yes, you hear yes. it in like French music or something like. <laughs> is it a? It's not a harmonium. Yeah, is it? I think it might be. That might be yes. it. I don't know though. It, it's an air, an air yeah. powered uh, little organ. Yeah, yeah. and Cedric, uh, he'll, he'll pull that out of everyone. I've seen him. On live performances, I love that okay. that part. Yeah, I like to think Cedric comes on stage like Carrot Top with just a bag full of props that he pulls out. <laughs> He's like he pulls out that thing sometimes, pulls out his little pedal board to attach to his mic. Oh yeah, maracas he has his bag full of props, maracas and <laughs> yeah. speed and whatever else is in there. <laughs> a lot of drugs. <laughs> um, yeah, this is one of my favorite ones on the album by a long shot. Uh, We've heard creepy um, intros and, and sound bites from them before, but I think this one takes the cake. I did not know that it was Iggy Pop doing it until uh, this <laughs> this listen through um, when everybody clued me into it. So like when I first heard this record, I, I just some creepy disembodied voice. I don't know. It, it creeped the hell out of me, and I thought it was cool. Cool way to start a song. Um, I, I, I also like all the electronic elements, like whatever I – I'm going to say it's a synth pedal they're running the bass through on the chorus. Um, it also sounds like um, drum machine and live drums are being combined somehow for that verse uh, beat. Does that sound correct, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I think so. 
I don't know if anyone can verify, but yeah, there's kind of the idiotechy white noise snare combined with some hi-hats and some real snare, perhaps. It's hard to nail it down, but it's it's a cool sound. And the Mars Volta um, embryo is definitely there. I, I even called the, the vocal effect, I call it the Mars Volta tremolo, and you hear it a few, uh, at least a couple times on this album, or maybe it was on Via somewhere. I think it was. Um, it was on metronome arthritis. He also did the Cedric did the Mars Volta tremolo, uh, a really cool vocal effect we come oh, yeah. to know and love. Um, but yeah, I, I love the, the whole vibe of this thing. The chorus bangs, uh, harder than anything on the album for me. This song almost has a, a feel like, like this is the only click tracked song. Maybe this mm-hmm. is just a, a theory of mine, but as a band that sounds like they never use a click track, this has the sound of something that's way more locked into place mm-hmm. maybe because of those electronic drum elements that had to be combined mm. so they kind of Im- improved upon my complaint about uh devil among the tailors from the last one mm. and as a person who you know fucks with all that electronic shit uh i dig that um even though they're, they're usually not like that so this song really speaks to me i i, I love this one well, I think this next song is uh, probably, uh, uh, I'm hoping, a favorite among all of us, uh, Rolodex Propaganda. And This song is wild. Like, how did they <laughs> yeah, even come up with that opening part of the song? It just sounds so unique. And Iggy Pop's vocals, uh, they bring a definite like, kind of playfulness to the song. And I think it's a really great cameo. The <laughs> manuscript replica. <laughs> you know, it's just perfect. Uh, the chorus is just sublime. Uh, the, song ro- the song rocks hard. And it just takes me to a different planet. I don't know about you guys, but... Yeah, love it. Yeah, I I th- I think it's a fun ass song. The energy is awesome. It's it's weird and cool, and I I like weird. <laughs> I love that there's that uh, uh, keyboard on the on the chorus, which verges on being goofy, but it's like this is a this is still an at the drive-in song, but uh, it it kind of kicks ass. I uh, second song in a row to feature Iggy Pop. I I like how he backs up the verse vocals with Cedric. Then on the chorus, Iggy Pop goes on to be like the lead vocal and it doing this insanity, which almost sounds like it could be Surge Tankian. Um, <laughs> and it sounds like Cedric is like Iggy Pop's hype man at this point, where in the background he's just, he's like, you got it, you got it, yeah! Uh, so, so, all the chorus is, is Iggy Pop going, manuscript replica. <laughs> and Cedric going, yeah, you got it. You got um, it, man. Yeah. I So some of that stuff you played in the, the opening uh, part, I don't know if you've if the, if this is in there, but I, I put down that I would kill to hear the, just the soloed up 
uh, Iggy Pop chorus vocals by themselves. Oh, well, there was one in <laughs> there, and it sounded kind of rough. He was like, I just grew a rubble like, They must have cut that one out. What the fuck is he doing? Yeah, I yeah. don't know. It's like, I, but I, mean, I have this theory that the whole time he thought he was in an acid flashback because they looked like the MC5. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's coming back again. These guys look like, like they're here. Just, He's going, uh, he's going cray cray, wilding, uh, <laughs> just wilding. Yeah, he is in fact wilding on this thing, but somehow it works on this insane song. Uh, I, I like this one a lot. Yeah, this this song is weird and rules. Um, you know, obviously, anytime you get Iggy Pop in the mix, you know, you're gonna end up with with something worth talking about it for sure. Um, I, I was getting dial tone sounds out of that that kind of really cheesy uh, keyboard part mm. on the chorus. Um, you know, it's it's another uh, you know really dissonant verse mixed with a uh, with with a more major key chorus. You know, I I, I love the uh, temper temper temperature. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have a thought on that. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, right at 051, I'm glad that it was in that mix. I love the guitar tone and the voicings on that solo little guitar turnaround right before they go into the uh, uh, to the chorus. It just sounds so good. I think it's only out of one, you know, one stereo side too. It's just a great little piece. That little of crazy, transition. just that little crazy yeah. part. Like I can't even try to replicate it with my mouth, but <laughs> I think I. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was thinking of a different part. Okay. Do Do you guys remember in the early days of the internet, there was a little video called Badger, Badger, Badger? Anybody? Yes. Okay. Do you remember the part in that video when it goes to the, it's a snake, oh no, a snake, that part? <laughs> no, uh, uh, I'm more familiar with hamster dance. We can, <laughs> we can always cut this one. The part where he says the temper, temper, temperature just always <laughs> makes me th- like I couldn't not think of that video when the guy's going, "It's a snake, oh no, a snake." <laughs> like that's just immediately what I thought of. Look up, look up the badger video from about 2004. <laughs> 2005 and you'll see what i'm talking about uh and then also look up hamster speaking of uh videos there's uh i just wanted to highlight there's a really good video of them performing this song and cedric is playing guitar Mm. while uh jim is focusing on keyboards so it's kind of cool to see cedric playing guitar and uh omar's doing the manuscript replica part and it's on jules holland but it's pretty good yes yes i was gonna actually add that yeah that that is Worth watching to see Cedric play guitar for sure. Um, I got. I don't really have a lot to say about this though. I, I'm sorry. All, my only note was about that damn badger song. So I'm sorry. Are you wow. serious? That's all- <laughs> yeah. Jeez, I have down. Christ. I have down. Literally, it's a snake. Oh no, a snake! And then oh, Cedric oh plays God. guitar. <laughs> Get your act out together. Of oh man, uh, that's all you, I got. That's, I'm that's, sorry. I think I, is that a hot? That's a hot take right there. No, I, I will. I say think this, that counts though, as a hot. When take. I was tallying together yeah. the songs on this, I included this one as one I like, though, and I think I like it because. If nothing else, it's so interesting. Like it's just such a weird song mm-hmm. that I don't think you well, should yeah. skip this one right. uh, at all if you're listening to it. But but other than that, I don't really have anything to add. So I'm sorry, you guys. You know what? Because I said that, you know what you should do? Quarantine Put you in me. quarantine. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Quarantine your ass. 
this song is so good. Uh, it this song is all atmosphere, mood, and heart for me. I think it's such a obviously kind of a relevant song for where we are about twenty years later. I love the slower tempo, and everything has this almost sci-fi texture to it, even though you're hearing like a storm and rain. It's like, what planet is this on, though? Uh, when this came out, I had never heard guitars quite like that. Like, my favorite line, I think, of the whole song is, uh, a single spark can cause a spectral fire. I think that's a really influential and just a memorable line for me. Um, I just think the mood really fits and speaks it speaks so much for this album, and I think this song is definitely a highlight and should not be missed. Um, but it's definitely a, a top tier at the driving track in my my book. Uh, my note on this song is when the edible hits. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of, kind of. Th- this uh, this is a good track. You know, obviously very spacey, a lot more modulation. Um, you know, it's it's got that uh, that that storm clip for the intro, and yeah, you know, I, I also have down that it's it's almost kind of dirgy, but but not in not in a uh, in a cumbersome way. Um, and then I I really like when it when it kind of picks up and and it gets that eight on the floor. Just he's he's really pounding out uh, the, those that that bass drum. You mentioned the guitars, Logan. Yeah, uh, that that lo-fi guitar. Uh, kind of intro into the um, uh, in, into the first part is is really an interesting tone, and then more of that kind of uh, uh, more of that, more of that, more of that, more of the the jingly piano um, towards the end that that works uh, so well. Uh, uh, so I was glad to see that as well. Man, the mood of the it's all mood and atmosphere and. Uh, love a love a good rain uh sound effect the the slower slowed down tempo and mood of this for some reason makes me think of one of one of the adrian fortress's uh slower bat morbality type ones um i don't know if i'm off base there but it, obviously there's a connection there influence wise and uh if you're from our specific scene Southwest <laughs> maybe Missouri, you in, know. introduction to the stars maybe? that that was my thought yeah it's, it's yeah an introduction to the i stars think feel. i must have been thinking introduction and to that, the stars and, and, it, and that bass is just that bass part is so cool though the i don't know if this influenced the bass part on that or <laughs> If they were just kind of in tandem uh, and it, by accident, but anyway, uh, most people don't know who that is. But uh, check them out. I don't know where you can check them out. <laughs> I don't um, think nowhere, anywhere. man. That I know they have that, three. Uh, they they've got some uh, seven inches that stick stick it in your ear if you want to. Ooh, really? Are you serious? I'm wait- yeah. There's like Matt, uh, Matt's about to go a, right now. There's like oh, three of get, them. I, I saw. Go to the the seven inches, and there's like three Adrian Fortress family uh, family, family ties. ties. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I'm going tomorrow. Here's a, here's a little a little insider info. Um, if uh, if John San Paolo is listening, you did tell me that you were gonna work on a new mix and a new master to press to vinyl, and I still want that, and I still expect that. We're so, waiting, Mister. It, it, it's been a few years, but uh, I would still like to have that. Um, anyway, Jim Jim Ward does this type of thing a bunch, but that half trigger will half trigger will travel man that really that really gets you right there yeah 
um, that that's a powerful part. The half trigger will travel. the The song, despite its it, it taking it down a notch, it it really rocks hard. It gets real Mars Volta e toward the the long instrumental outro, and there's some more back masking at the end. And I'm that kind of asshole who's like, well, you're going to back mask me. I'm going to pop your audio in my DAW and reverse <laughs> it and see what's up. So, so here is. You know that little whatever piano thing that they reversed at the end of the song? Uh-huh. Here's what it sounds like. Uh, the uh, the correct way. The, the correct way. Here's what it sounds like forward. <laughs> I love Keto that. Puente. That's great. So, yeah. Speaking of, of all the Latin influence that... that this is basically the bossa nova setting on my Casio keyboard. <laughs> that's awesome. Nice. Uh, but I thought that was really cool after finding that out. Oh, <laughs> They're just messing around. That's clearly. dope. We might Very have fun. to sample yours and run it backwards for a little little fun in-between thing. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, Matt, you mentioned Pink Floyd earlier. This is the one I get Pink Floyd vibes on. It's possible I get the vibes because of the storm sounds. And for some reason, I think it's because of Wizard of Oz, the Dark Side of Oz thing. I always associate Pink Floyd with storms for some reason. Um, But just that beginning part, the way the bass comes in slowly and then the guitars, it, it gives me kind of those... You you specifically shine on you crazy diamond, which I think you mentioned earlier. Um, this is this is just the one where I get the the Pink Floyd mood from, and uh, I, I like this one, but uh, I don't have much more to add that you guys haven't already said. So you know where we should go next is space. Let's all go to Again? space. That's right. Take us to the stars, Blake. If if Jim Ward had been born in the USSR, he might have said cosmonaut. I want to be a, in parentheses, cosmonaut. Uh, just when you start to think that the album can't get any better, this song just slaps you right in the face. It would be a song mm-hmm. that would inspire some of my own music. This song is like a rocket taking off and just blazing through space. The guitar effects are just amazing. I feel this album really sets Omar on the path to experimentation with effects. Uh, this, I mean, I don't know what to say about this song other than it bangs, slaps, and stomps. Uh, just <laughs> top tier uh, at the drive-in to me. So yeah, when uh, the new Fiona Apple album came out this year, uh, she has a song called Cosmonaut. I was disappointed to find it's not a cover of this. <laughs> Lame. Um, the, uh, but it, it's still good. This song is is quite harsh. It it, it rocks quite hard. Uh, it's It's that second to last type of track that's like let's leave it all on the damn floor they're uh, once again rocking like they they know their 
at the end of the ropes or something. Um, I, I really, the, the line is the black box lying sticks out to me. This wasn't in the clip, but I, I really like how it goes to that toward the end. It goes to that major key change. I thought that was a really, oh yeah, really interesting part that, that sticks with you. Um, another one where you can really hear that, that bass cut through and, and knock your head off. Uh, but yeah, really, uh, a rocker. I, I dig Cosmonaut. I, I have to say, by the way, I, I'm a little disappointed that this album did not continue the trend of Jim Ward singing one song, mm. like In Casino Out did. Um, and I feel like, you know, I don't know if he would necessarily sound good singing this one as far as what Cedric does, but come on. I mean, he, the last one he sang about wanting to be an astronaut about this part point in the well, album. Well, he, he gets a lot more backup vocals in, than he did That's in, true. say, like In Casino Out, because they didn't even record backup vocals for him, I don't think. Uh, other than like, you know, he, he did sing that one song, but yeah, I, I can see that. I just want to see him sing a song about wanting to be a cosmonaut. And I I don't know. I I loved Hourglass so much. I wanted another one of those. Uh, this is one I just have down as sort of, it's, it's fine. Um, I don't know. This is the point in the, this is the point in the album where Josh starts to lose interest. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're, we're near the final stretch, but there's three songs and Josh is bored as shit. Uh, th- th- no, that's, yeah, I mean, somewhat, uh, I, I don't know that it's, <laughs> I, I, you're, you're not incorrect in, in saying that if you had guessed, this is one that I don't have anything in particular to say, uh, you are correct. I don't have much to say on this one. Um, I, I don't, I'd like to know how your, your wagers shook out Logan, uh, uh at the end, because. Well, you're nailing them. You're nailing them, yeah, Josh. Yeah, I'm predictable. Yeah. I'm predictable. Um, so th- that's all I got to say. I don't know. Matt? Um, I, I think I'm more or less uh, there, there with you. I think it's a great tune. Uh, it definitely has that that sense of, of a rocket taking off, you know, very, um, you know, very, very climby uh, guitar part. Um I love just how tight all the guitars are, you know, across the board. But but this, uh, it, it's really a showcase um, on uh, on on this songs um, at O fifty four, and it was in the clip as well. That little tremolo ring out guitar that they that they kind of clip the uh, they give it like three and three quarters beats. It's it's a really neat little. Uh, you know, dash of, of, uh, of sound to, to kind of, you know, link, link two parts together. Um, the, the position decisions, that outro part, I, I think that really works, uh, well, um, also. And, and again, just the, those, those guitars and, and that rhythm second section hitting, uh, hitting so hard and, and, you know, really dialed in. Um, they, they, they kept the, uh, the energy up through the album. Um, if you wouldn't mind to pull up that other clip that I had, I just wanted to point out like this, how crazy Cedric sounds right here. This is just bonkers. Uh, Just go ahead and pull that up, please. (laughs) Dang. (laughs) Love that. He's he's wild. There's another song where he does the, oh, oh, it's a Rolodex propaganda. The cut it. Yeah. It's just it's great. I, I I don't know. It just gets me pumped up. Well, we can go ahead and round down to the last track here, Non-Zero Possibility. Contusion is hungry. They still eat their young. Protoculture. Oh, 
So hearing this song now, like I can almost imagine it being one of the first Mars Volta like songs. For me, this is a a very Mars Volta DNA. Um, I would base this song in the also in the same camp as songs like Napoleon Solo, 198D, and Initiation. Just very pretty arpeggiated guitar parts, Jim Ward piano parts, swelling into kind of emotionally driven vocals. It sounds as if the band is just tired, tired of death and hardship. While Cosmonaut would have been a fitting end to the album, I think this is a case where I really feel the epilogue or the bookend aspect of it really works. After such a hard-hitting album stacked with bangers, this one fits with grace and ease as the album closer. Uh, Despite its sadness uh, and kind of the sad undertones unknowingly foreshadowing somewhat of an end for the band. Um, but yeah, that's what I thought. Well, Logan, um, you'll be happy to know that this is, uh, one of my favorites on this album. So this is the point in the concert where Josh has gone to, you know, after he's gone to the bathroom <laughs> and to the, the vending, <laughs> you know, got a beer or whatever. He's returned for the last song. I, so. I actually figured you would say that I probably liked this one. Um, I, I, I think I've come to realize I just love anything with Jim Ward playing piano on it. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I just love Let's get you some Jim Ward songs. lullaby albums for and you. And you know what? I've never listened to Sparta. And then now I'm like, oh, maybe really? I should listen to Sparta. Oh, you should listen, you should well, listen I, to Wire, Wiretap I, Scars. Yeah, Wiretap sure. Scars is literally sitting on the shelf beside me. <laughs> I've yeah, never I've been listened listen, to it. I've been listening to it lately. So, um, But uh, this one I, I really like. You're, you're correct. It's a great closer. Uh, it, it is on the best of, so I was a little familiar with this one. I do have to say though on my relationship of command this song is scratched so it always skips when i play this album which is really annoying um and usually because it's the last track i'm sort of just like okay i won't listen to it if i'm listening to the cd although this time i listened to it via spotify so i didn't have that issue um this song also for some reason speaking of has the lowest play count on spotify I I find that I figured baffling. that was good. I well, it's, it's the last track. I think single. I wrote some. Yeah, they just, just don't make it to the last but it's track. On the best of, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I just figured this one would be a little more up there. Um, you know what the vocal reminded me of is System of a Down, like the double vocal thing. You know where there's I can't really explain it, but I don't. Is it is it Jim Ward and Cedric, or do you think it's two yeah. Cedrics? No, it's Jim Moore doing like that. Sex is the last oh. No, not that. Oh, the like very how during high, the normal, I think it's there's two a Cedric's, very high, a high Cedric and a low vocal Cedric. part. It reminds me of System of Down songs where both Serge and uh, Darren, Darren goes super players? high. Darren, yeah, when they both sing, it just kind of gives me that similar vibe. Um, but really, really works. It, you know, it's about sp- space. Is it about space? I guess it's not about space. Mm. I don't know, but it gives me a feeling of floating. Uh, I think it's about contusions. <laughs> I think it's about loss of friends. Yeah, that too. Yeah. That's what the whole band's about, man. Yeah. It feels like sometimes. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Much. Uh but yeah, this this one's up there on my on my list for sure. Uh Matt. Uh you, you mentioned uh system, Josh. My note that I have down here is talk about corn chords. Uh <laughs> they um this song kind of kind of almost feels uh, a little bit separate from the other the other tracks on the album for me. I, I think it still works, but um, it, the the vocals sound a little bit um, 
you know, they, they just have a different different feel to them. Uh, I, I like the tune. Um, you know, it's obviously very, you know, very much a mood piece. Uh, I, I like that it's really just kind of the one tempo and, the, and they're just adding different elements um, at that tempo. They, they don't uh, uh, don't really take it to another part. Um, Pocket sized edition uh, is a great little lyric snip that that uh, that, that stuck with me. And um, I love the outro, how everything just kind of breaks down into really, you know, ba- basic uh, tonal elements. I, 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 I think it, uh, it it really closes the album out well. Yeah, it's a it's another one of these uh, where track ten is like the banger, and then eleven is the 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 moody outro song um, that that leaves you uh, leaves you depressed a little bit. Um, and this song is all about mood. Uh, it am I mistaken? Is that rain sound effects again? Yeah, okay. I I kind of tied this song in together with quarantine. Yeah. Yeah, just from from two songs earlier, it does have a similar feel, and the rain is back. I mean, mm-hmm. that can't be a mistake. Um, no, yet another piano ballad. Um, this is one of their one of their darkest. the The lyrics can get just plain nasty, talking about like hungry contusions and all this fever, bliss. Uh, uh, yeah, all <laughs> this body horror stuff, nervousness. Yeah, like like. Uh, uh, mummified circuitry yeah like <laughs> of, uh, this one arm scissor it, it, the entire song is, is stuff like that um and by this time i'm like damn i've had enough of this uh this cronenberg uh stuff but it, it really does set a certain mood i i like the uh the long outro with um some kind of synth sounds or it, it almost sounds like it might be a mellotron or i'm not certain what type of keyboards hard to nail down but it, it does sound really cool it's a good way to to end the record but it, it's a real down note um I, I i do like it and i like the mood it sets though the keyboard almost sounds like a like a nine inch nails keyboard to me yeah and 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 trent trent Reznor, who 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 purchased john lennon's mellotron uh, is famous for using that so so maybe it was something similar all right, so let's let's get to some of our final thoughts for the album. Um, obviously, for me, this album is amazing. I can't gush enough, but as I've said, it was a very important album in my life. It saved me uh, and my my band from falling into new metal cliches and tired alternative tropes of the late '90s. And this album is perfection to me. Just well executed, incredibly performed, and brilliantly conceived. Uh, when I was 14, like through 17, everything was about heavy riffs to me. I loved how guitars sounded in new metal, but I also loved bands like Sunny Day Real Estate and Radiohead. Um, this album was just a great bridge for me because it was heavy with aggressive emotion, and I was a big fan of Ross Robinson's work, which is the first producer I was ever really aware of growing up. So I knew I'd be into it, uh, but it's just one of the most original sounding albums that I've ever heard, in my opinion. So does that mean perfect? Five out of five? Hundred uh, percent? So yeah. Well, it's uh, eleven out of eleven songs. Uh, so it's a hundred percent for me, or five manuscript replicas. Ah, oh, you stole Whoa. mine. I had the same one, <laughs> the same uh, ranking system because it's so good. Is that the first? Uh, I've got, I've got you, one for you if you need one. 
Is that wait? Is that uh, Logan's we, we've, first sure hundred? Have you given a hundred before, Logan? No, I think I gave a hundred. I might have given a hundred percent to uh, in utero. I was going to say in utero had some some high marks uh, across or, the board. Yeah, either that or incesticide. One of those, I think. I, I might get have wet. Given. Uh, I get wet. Maybe did you get? <laughs> no. I get wet's a hundred. Um, so for me, I, I went with nine out of the 11 songs that I really, if I, and this is sort of where I think our, our song ranking may break down a little bit because I went with nine out of 11 songs. Like if I'm going song by song basis, I think there are nine songs on here that I, I like, and there are a couple that I'm just sort of lukewarm on, um, which means about an 80% or four out of five manuscript replicas, or what was the other one, Logan, you had? Uh, sleepwalk capsules. Four out of five sleepwalk capsules. That works as well. Um, but I think the thing is, is, it's almost like it should get a couple of points for just cohesiveness. Because I feel like as a unit, this album works together really well. And so it's hard to say like, oh yeah, if you were listening to it, you should skip this or that. There's a good chance if I put it on, I'm going to just listen to it all the way through. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so in that way, it almost is a... F- perfect album but i guess if i'm going song by song i would say it's probably a four out of five or an 80 percent for me um truthfully i had not listened to this album all the way through um i really enjoyed listening to it um and you know was was really happy to have some of the gaps filled in you know not being super familiar with at the drive-in you know and kind of really getting a deep dive into their career through now, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm working on a, I'm mulling, I'm mulling a theory over that this is kind of a, uh, not, not a burnout album necessarily, but it's a, um, you know, they, they, they really, uh, you know, expend all remaining ordinance, uh, in in making this (laughs) record, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the emotions there, the, the sound is there, the songwriting is there. I don't, know that I would say that it's a perfect record. Um, I, I'm giving this record uh, four uh, war horses towing a chariot. So so four four and change. Okay. So I, I've been thinking about like, uh, th- this is the only at the drive-in that I had heard before we started on this venture that I'd heard previously. And uh, now that I've, I've, Given the other ones a bunch of listens and gave this one some more listens, um, but I'm I'm like, why is this the one that I like head and shoulders above the rest? And is it a is it like a familiarity bias where it's like this is the one I know, so I am automatically going to rank it way higher? Um, and I better I can't better quite, production. What's that? Better production? Yeah, I mean. It's it's it is it's a totally different level of production. I don't know if it's a familiarity bias or not. There's something psychological, but to me, I I still even after giving the other ones all those all those listens, I still um just enjoy this one worlds more. Um, I give it four and a half sutured contusions out of five. Mm. All, right. all right, well let's Spurlers? let's move on to the bangers. All right, well, the whole album is a banger. How about that? <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Um, Put that in your pipe and smoke it. But no, if if okay. I were forced to pick something, like, I think it's really hard, because obviously I like every song on the album, and I think they're all great in their own way, but I would have to probably, if I had to pick, ugh, it's hard, I might go Arc Arsenal. 
It's just such a Seconded. great opener. Seconded. Oh. I also had our oh. Arsenal. It's just it's it's so good. Too good. Too good for everything. It might be a little bit unfair because it's kind of got two parts, but uh, my banger is is the uh, invalid litter department. Um, there's just that that song can't can't do anything wrong. Uh, I guess that you would pick that one, Matt. Correctly. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think I was going to pick? By the way, was it our Arsenal? Um, I thought you were either going zero possibility. I thought you were either going to pick um, invalid litter department or one arm scissor. One arm scissor was my original choice, by the way, before I changed it to our Arsenal earlier today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I I'm going to give the obligatory banger because this is a single quote unquote uh, with a lot of popularity, and it just plain bangs through and through. One arm scissor, that's mine. All right. All right. So let's don't sleep on it. Don't sleep on non-zero possibility. Uh, I think that this song is, uh, again, uh, like I, I think it's in the same camp as like Napoleon solo. I just think this is where they really showcase, they put their feelings on their sleeves and they throw it all down and they let their guard down. And I just think that these types of songs that they do are just, they make them the most human to me because we're just getting these otherworldly alien sounds and they just sound like people that don't even exist but when they do songs like 198d initiation napoleon solo it, it puts them more in a human perspective to me that i can relate to and i just think it might be some sad undertones but i just think the the musicianship is really there i i thought about that one logan um i i ultimately went away from it just because i was like i don't know it's on the best of i feel like it's i went with pattern against user um, because I feel like it, you know, being the second track right before one arm scissor, our car still is pretty popular. People might skip straight over pattern against user to get to one arm scissor. But I think pattern against user is, is a really great song that might not get the attention it is due because it's sort of sandwiched in between two other bangers, but it is a, it's a good song. I thought you might pick that one. I wasn't a hundred percent sure, but I thought that you were okay. going to pick I thought you'd like so that one. So far, all right. It is great. Uh, Matt or Blake? Uh, we, we got a daily double. Uh, P- Pattered Against User is also <laughs> my uh, don't, don't sleep on it um, for, for many of the same reasons that uh, th- that you just mentioned. Um, it, it's just a great tune. Yeah, that was that was the pick for you too, Matt. Um, <laughs> uh, well... Uh, did you uh, did you guess this one for me? I say don't sleep on Enfilade. You know, I thought you might say, I thought you could have gone with Mannequin Republic. I thought you might have backed up like kind of what you're going with for uh, The Devil Among the Tailors. But I was hoping that. Interesting. That in, Interesting. I thought, I was hoping that Enfilade would be, you know, picked by someone because I really wanted to pick that one too. Like, because I think that's a great. Yeah. sleeper track um yeah because everything I, else I just, love it yeah but yeah so i was i was i wasn't really sure on yours blake there may be some shockers then when we uh do skip nothing how about that put that in your pipe and smoke it nothing <laughs> put that don't in your skip pipe. anything <laughs> don't skip anything why would you skip anything on this record it's all complete alien technology in a completely different solar system like why wouldn't you want to listen to that 
And now here's the rest of the band to tell you about the songs you should skip. <laughs> you should skip. Yep. <laughs> Basically. Well, this song um, isn't very good. I, I feel like I'm going to be very predictable on this, um, Logan. I feel like you've got this one written down for me. <clears> Mannequin sure. Republic. <clears throat> Mannequin Republic is is currently what I have written mm-hmm. down to skip. Yes. Mannequin Republic. Although I could also Perfection. go with Cosmonaut. That was the other one they had. Mm. Yep. That's a hot take. That's what I got. I, I also had Mannequin Republic down, <laughs> um, but, but I, I, I think I'm going to change. I, I, I think Uh-oh. I think I might skip Cosmonaut. I, it's just not... What is it, wrong you know, with you guys? It's another one there. But all, all of these are just, you know, like your your least favorite among you know uh, among rubies or, or, or pearls but by, it's, it's by the way pick. still still a better choice than the fact that you said skip napoleon solo on the last episode <laughs> yeah that's still Jesus. a travesty but hottest <laughs> of hot takes uh blake um, what would you skip well you're not gonna like this um i first of all this is this is an album with no bad songs zero bad songs I had penciled in uh, to skip Mannequin Republic. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's, I thought it's you all song. three were going to come together on this one. <laughs> the, I feel that the album could do without it somehow. It works without it. But I, I could also go Logan's way and say skip nothing. So <laughs> I You guys don't like valid. the really heavy stuff, I think. You know? I, I feel like it's the like the really abrasive, heavy kind of stuff that you you guys tend to kind of shy away from I, from so far what i'm i'm gathering well, it okay. depends it okay. depends next okay. interesting uh, interesting all right oh yeah so. okay so we've we've skipped cover now we're- you know i i thought i don't think i at this age that i'm at the uh, <laughs> current you know, <laughs> I, i'm not like this is not even really feasible but if I had to pick something, I think I would really enjoy trying to do a cover of Quarantine. It's a mm. good choice. Um, I I went with Rolodex Propaganda, and not because it has the crazy backup vocal part. I do think that's an added cherry on top. Uh, trying to imagine one of us doing that, the manuscript replica part. Yeah, uh, you can do that. But I thought for some reason when I hear the guitar part, the like I was like I could see us doing that part. I could see someone playing that part and how it kicks in. I, I don't know. That It'll was just be you playing that part in practice. You'll just show up to practice and you'll just play that part <laughs> over and over. Can I be on keyboards for that one? Someone's got to do cut it, cut it. What'd you pick, Matt? I guess I'm probably. Uh, perhaps over ambitious. Um, I would love to take a swing at Sleepwalk Capsules. I think that'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> That's one out of I didn't expect from you. That's good. I like that song um, a lot. For me, the okay, the whole first three, the first three songs are all. First of all, I don't have the skill. <laughs> uh, let's say on drums to do the drum parts on any of these, but I would love to cover any of the first three if I had to. If I was forced to nail it down, I'm going to say I want to do a cover of Arc Arsenal, but in 8-bit, uh, in chiptunes, mm. so that it it will sound like a Mega Man song. That would be dope. Uh, <laughs> and that's my final answer. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if Josh, why don't you tell our folks uh, where they can find us on the internet? Well, if you have... Uh 
forgotten. We are not a just a podcast group. We are a band that plays music, and you can find our music anywhere uh, streaming, more of that, or just search more of that, or you could go to moreofthat.bandcamp.com. Uh, you can also check us out on Twitter at DiscographPod. And if you want to check out some of the music that I'm doing, you can find me on Logan Williams Music on YouTube, and you can find us on Instagram at more of that presents we are on the ox podcast network that's aux um check out our other podcasts like shelf life are you there pod and we just uh introduced a new um we're now international did you guys know that so ox has a new show out of sydney australia my friend tom g wolf does it and it's awesome it's called Lupine Transmissions. The first episode is out now, and he does uh, all things weird, dark, and unusual. Ooh, um, the I'm first like episode this. is about unsolved. Yeah, this is up, Logan. This is up all of your alleys, but uh, <laughs> the first episode is about unsolved mysteries. Um, and you know there's going to be X-Files. You know there's going to be UFOs, alien autopsies, uh, and metal music. I'm I'm on the second episode, which might be out by the time you hear this, and we're talking about King Diamond, uh, his first album, and that oh, nice. was a lot of fun. Blake's uh, the podcast daddy. Podcast daddy. <laughs> I, I'm now daddy of all podcasts, and uh, as that is my title, I have to say uh, to check out our Ox's Patreon, where you can get bonus content for all the shows, including this show, and you can support us and get special stuff, patreon.com backslash Aux Audio, A-U-X-A-U-D-I-O. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll move on to our outro and music. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please stick around. Next week, we're going to be talking about our pregame for the next At The Drive-In album, Inter Alia uh, and Diamante EP. So we'll talk more about that next week on pregame. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Once again, thank you for listening, liking, downloading, subscribing, sharing, reviewing, following, and supporting. This has been another episode of More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where the Emperor still wears no clothes. And as always, don't forget to listen to music. Music.